0: Okay, so this is what he wrote. He says, an open letter to Calvinists. When we disagree uh, with you uh, about your doctrine of total inability, we are not saying humanity is without sin and can save themselves, nor are we teaching that everyone deserves salvation while worshiping the idol of free will. So... First off, that that was just the first sentence, mm-hmm. and I feel like is is the five points do does total inability even slip into the five points? I mean, I know there's total depravity. But,
1: yeah, I was wondering about that. (laughs) I tell people that total depravity means that all parts of what you are 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 affected, total, heart, soul, mind, body, everything. And the result of it is that you will never come to God on your own, of your own free will choice. That God has to interact and move upon you. That's it. And Leighton would agree with that. But, see, the thing is. He says that basically what it comes down to now that I had this big discussion with him and now they understand where he's coming from better. Cause I had to kind of learn it as I went last night. I understand that what he's doing is he's saying that there still is innate ability within a person that once he hears the gospel, the gospel has an effect upon them on him and is, is enabled, but that doesn't make any sense because that means what, what's the effect upon them? Just that are enabled. That doesn't, that not, doesn't answer anything. What is it about the nature of the gospel that has an enabling effect? what he wants to say is that it's a, it's a kind of prevenient grace of the gospel preaching that enables someone to be able to be at that place of free uh, uh, choice. But that means there's a change in the person. Right. Because which contradicts what he's saying, they he already has a free will ability. So he hasn't thought this through and no Calvinism is not slavery. Stuart. Sheesh. You know, when people say stuff like that, they just, they just, all they're doing is showing they don't understand what Calvinism is. Yeah. You know, and it's just ridiculous. But uh, God can certainly direct our choices. As I was uh, discussing this on my Patreon video an hour ago, um, if, if I want to direct someone's free will choice, I can do it. And an illustration is uh, there's three doors leaving a building and they're side by side, door one, two, and three. And I lock door one, two, one and two, and I want you to go through door three. And say, well, it's time for us to leave. So they tried door one, door two, and they have to leave through door three. Did I force them to go out door three? In one sense, yes. But did I violate their free will? No. They freely chose to open that door and go out, but they were directed to do so. And so this is an illustration of how God in his sovereignty can direct even our free will choices, but it's not slavery. It's the providence of God to bring about what he desires. Right. And then so
2: do that with every single choice we make all the time. It is I think that's that's the question that would be asked. How could it not be?
1: You Think about it, how could it not be? Because um, Well then how could it not be
2: slavery? That's well,
1: because it's not slavery, because each time it's free will choice.
2: But you're you you have no other choice to make. Yes, you like, do. You can't make- Any other choice? If you have to go at, you only have this one choice you're able to fulfill.
1: Then then you freely choose that, don't you? Well, you have to. Then you freely choose it, right? You just said you have to freely choose it. Therefore, by freely choosing it, by definition, it's not slavery.
2: And but then there, you wouldn't you wouldn't have an option to not choose it. So you'd have to you have to choose. It's like putting a mouse in one of those little. I got
1: you. I got you. But did you freely choose to do it? Um,
2: I, I, no, it wouldn't be three. <laughs> okay, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. So, so there's three choice.
1: doors and I, I lock two of them so that you are required to only go out the one door. Am I forcing you to go out the one door by, by against your will?
2: It's, it's the only thing that you can do. So you necessarily don't that, have to the choice.
1: I asked, did, am I forcing you to go out the door against your will?
2: If you have no choice to either go out the door, or stay in the room you're in. Then you are. Okay. So, are you freely able to, just, just freely
1: able to reach down and turn the knob and pull the door open of your own free will? No one's putting their their hand on you and forcing you to go to that door and forcing you to do this stuff, right?
2: Okay. What? Right? Do you, do you think the person could? Okay. You're not asking the question. Why do you
1: want to argue with me if you're not even answer the question you, I'm asking you? I'm not.
2: I'm, I'm I'm saying that if the person cannot refrain from even opening the door, then it would be. You know, forced. Are you a Christian? Yes, of course. Is God sovereign? Yeah, but that doesn't mean
1: determinism. Is God God sovereign? Yes. Does God make mistakes?
2: Well, scripture
1: says. Does does God make mistakes? That's what you didn't want. Does God make mistakes?
2: I wouldn't call it a mistake. I wouldn't call things mistakes. What do you call it? What do you call it? What do you call it? Yeah. If. If there were people sacrificing their children to Baal and God wait, said wait, he wait. did not decree this, wait, 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 wait. do you think that wait. he actually did?
1: Does, I ask you a question. Does God make mistakes?
2: I think things come... No, no, no. God doesn't. But wait, you things come say. about that he doesn't want. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I, I have my baby jumping on me. <laughs> gotcha. So God
1: does not make mistakes. Okay, so when... No, God,
2: God himself doesn't. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I had to take a second to formulate my answer. Sorry. Okay, well, the answer is no, he doesn't make mistakes.
1: Does anything happen in the world that God's not aware of? No, he judges all things. Okay, so he He knows everything. Now, the Bible says he works all things after the counsel of his will. So the Canaanites, the death of my son, my wife's uh, birth defect and everything, that's all worked after the counsel of God's will, right?
2: So uh, what you're saying is, is that verse says he does is it? it, it? Not? You're not
0: answering the question
1: there. You always it, is is it or is it not? Is it worked after the counsel of God's will?
2: I would have to interpret that in the light of all the other verse, scri- verses of Scripture that say that God doesn't do certain things. And he does I didn't
1: ask you if he does or doesn't do certain things. I said, is it worked after his will? Because he says of course, I mean,
2: of course it's God works
1: all things. To
2: accomplish his will. Of course, everything of course. that happens is directed to accomplish his will.
1: Okay, he says he works all things after the counsel of his will. I'm just quoting his scripture. Does the all things include
2: those bad things? Hold on. One second. I'm, I can't think. I got my... That's all right. Oh, Hannah, Hannah, baby girl. baby girl. She wants to talk. Hannah, <laughs> <laughs> you probably do better than me. <laughs> okay, okay, ask it again. Sorry, I'm, I am I put her down. Okay.
1: In God works all things after the counsel of his will. Yes. Ephesians 1.11. All things. Does that include rape, murder, blessings, financial success, poverty, everything? (laughs) Does he work all things after the counsel of his will? The answer is either Uh, yes uh, or no. I have
2: to say, I have to give it a general yes.
1: You have to to because that's what the Bible says.
2: I know, I know, but I'm I'm thinking. One step at a time, I'll show you. One step at a
1: time. So, so the answer is, the answer is, is an
2: yes, well, he, he does. does that. That
1: long. Just- so the answer is yes, he does, because the Bible says so. You shouldn't argue with this. It should be yes, no. yes.
2: No, okay. but the other passages of Scripture that says he doesn't do things, I, I have to, like, I have I'm to. I'm not
1: done yet. You're not being patient. You're not being patient. Wait a second. We're sitting one thing up at a
2: time. I'm listening. Finish your finish. Can you gentlemen
3: hear me?
0: Yes, we can.
1: So here's the thing. Okay. You're fine, Ben. Thank yeah. you. Okay, so here's the thing. He works all things. I'm just establishing the facts. That's all we're doing. Then what we do is we say, now we have instances where things occur where he says, where he says it, doesn't, it hasn't entered into his mind or he didn't want this or he repented. Well, wait a minute. How is that possible if it works all things after the counsel of his will? That's when we have to start asking the question because we know that everything is after his counsel. So my son's death, Jacob's p- passing away, all right? But from a birth defect. That had to be after the counsel of God's will. The question then becomes, well, what does that mean? Does it mean he directly causes it or does he indirectly allow it? These are the kinds of questions we then have to ask.
2: Yeah, I would, I would agree. There's the, there's the questions. Some things are hard to answer and mysterious in Scripture, of course. I'd say both.
1: I'd say he does both. Yeah, he does do both. Absolutely. I could show that from Scripture.
2: Okay, he, does, but, he does what he says he doesn't do. He does do the things he says he doesn't do. No, I didn't say that. Now, you he show me where that. he says he doesn't do something. Show me the verse. I birds. did not decree it. Uh, I think it's Jeremiah 17.5 uh, or 19.5, one of those. He says, it didn't enter my mind, nor did I command it, nor did I decree it. So like if, in sovereign decree, if he did decree it, and then he said he didn't decree it, that would make God necessarily a liar. If he did do something, but he said he didn't. Is God a liar? No, of course not. But is God, scripture contradicting, study, himself? But, is God
1: contradicting himself?
2: Did, well, according to your sovereign decree theology, yes, it would no, be a. No, you know, no, 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 no.
1: We're just talking about the Bible. just talking about the scriptures. Yeah. You're the one who quoted the scriptures, and I'm just asking you because you set scripture against scripture. I didn't no, you interpret anything. The theology. You, no, listen. You said, you said that God did this. Okay? It says, and I built the high places of Baal to turn the suns of the fire burn offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. Jeremiah 19.5. Yeah. and okay.
2: said, no. This is not, he's, it seems well, like look he, at it. he doesn't, this is not a part of him. Let's, at let's look at
1: it. Let's look at it. What does it mean when it says it never entered his mind?
2: I mean, like to try to put that in my theology that god is omniscient and he knows all things and he has foreknowledge and all that stuff like i don't know but i'm not going to question god
1: hold on hold on one thing is no 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 you got you can't stop you got to think systematically we know that it says here it did nor did it ever enter my mind wait a minute if god's omniscient then we know it did enter his mind we know that's a fact because if it never entered his mind then he didn't know all things something else had to enter his mind later on so there's a problem. The problem is how you're interpreting theology, the verse, yes. how you're interpreting the verse. See, the well, thing is, we know that it did enter. The mind. What's the context? Is the Lord actually saying he did not think of something?
2: Of course, not. I, I, I think what he's, I th- I, this is my I think I could be wrong. OK, I think he's saying that this is not something that I wanted to come to pass. And this is not of me.
1: There you go, that would make sense, yeah, because he's speaking, and it never entered my mind that you guys would do this, not that he wasn't knowing it, but it wasn't in the consideration of what he desired for them in he, that sense.
2: Yeah, that's, what, that's yeah that's I, I could be like wrong on it, but just, that's just how I would take it
1: no, no problem but i'm just trying to show you that you have to what people do a lot is i'll give them a statement then they jump five steps ahead what about that i go stop you have to go one step at a time and ask the right questions to get where we're going to be when we get to jeremiah 19:5, which you brought up we just go look at it and then you start saying well wait a minute let's apply the literalness to it because that's what you were doing And if you apply the literalness to it there's a problem so is it being literal in the sense that you meant? And the answer is no, it's not. Yeah. Something else is going on. He's speaking anthropomorphically.
2: What I was what a bit what I was trying to do was because uh, because I, I, I understand somewhat of Calvinism or uh, the sovereign decree, the theology. Okay, I'm talking about setting the theology that I th- I think you guys affirm next to the text, and it says God decrees all things. And then next to the text that where it says this is not something that is a part of him, yeah. not something that they wanted to come to pass, kinda of, kinda of deal. No. And so I'm setting it against you know, the – Here's
1: the thing that most people who are anti Calvinists are anti
2: Calvinists. <laughs> My favorite preachers are Calvinists.
1: Okay. <laughs> Most people who are anti-Calvinists are guilty of not understanding what Calvinism actually teaches and are, and are very often misusing the words that we use. We know that God decrees all things, but what does it mean to, to decree? Is there a way that God can directly cause something, and is there a way God can indirectly cause something? Yes, let there be light, direct causation. But what if, but we don't we know that He does not want someone to murder because it's against his prescriptive will, but he will certainly allow them to to do so. So therefore, we would say it's within his will to allow them to disobey him. But the allowance of their disobedience must be within the decree of God, because otherwise it couldn't exist. God is not random in that, or our actions are not random in that. God is sitting there waiting, you know, rolling the celestial dice, hoping that things work out. Okay, I know you don't believe that, but we've got to be careful what we're assuming here and how far we're going to go with this. Because when we say, as Reformed theologians, we'll say God decrees all things. What we mean is all things that occur, good and bad, are within the sovereign plan of God. And within that sovereign plan, he has direct and indirect means of accomplishing his ultimate will. And part of the means of accomplishing his ultimate will is to allow evil people to do evil things, which he's not responsible for. They are. And he can even direct their will choices by opening the door, closing the door. As this Bible says, he opens the heart of the king and he moves the heart of the king where he wishes it to go. That's, that's scripture. Hmm. So you see, this is the kind of thing that we say. And what the antis will do, they'll come up and they'll go, oh, you believe God decreed rape? Yes. Oh, so he caused it. Wait a minute. That's not what we're saying. Yes, it is. You said decree. No, you said that. We didn't say that. That's why I frequently say to the anti's, I say, you're not representing us properly because you don't know our position. Make sense? Stuart Scott, sin is not a prerequisite for free will. Stuart Scott's asking this in the chat room. Free will does not necessitate the ability to sin. God has free will, God can't sin. One of the problems that also occurs when the discussion of free will is people become humanists. What they'll do is they'll say that free will means you have to be able to be able to choose between good and bad and accomplish good and bad without being forced. That's what free will is. Well, does that apply to God? Because he can't choose to do bad. Oh, no, but we're not talking about God. Oh, so you're a humanist. You're defining truth by man's standard, not God's standard. And so you're not looking at God as as this the, the standard like I did with Leighton last night on the issue of free will. Jesus, for example, said he could do nothing of his own initiative, only but he sees the Father do. Does he have free will? Yes, he does. But he could do only do what the Father ordained for him to do. If he could only do what the Father ordained for him to do and, and determine that he would do, because he says, I could do nothing of my own initiative, but only what I see the Father do, hear the Father do, see the Father do, all that kind of stuff. If that's the case, then it means it's ordained by the Father for Jesus to do certain things. Well, that means that Jesus had free will, but he could never sin, and he was also determined to do certain things by the Father. Yet he had free will. This is exactly what we Calvinists would teach about free will. Exactly. So, Matt, There's Jesus doing that? Yes.
3: Uh, the question uh, back to for the: uh, Would God ordain rape, or or uh, would God cause And I only call him God for the sake of the platform that I'm speaking on. But would you say God would would put that on an individual to be raped?
1: To be what? To be raped. To be raped. R A P E D. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to answer the question, but I'm going to answer by going someplace else. All right. And um, you'll see why I'm going there. About that.
0: What's that? i like to share something about that when you're done.
1: Okay. So what I'm going to do is read some scriptures because it's the same principle. All right. And then we have to unpack these. And what I'll do is I'll put them in the, the chat room. Okay. In uh,
0: side chat. Yeah. Wherever. Which, there we go. I, I
1: got lost the window. All right. This is the first verse. <laughs> Second Samuel 24.1. <clears throat> now, again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. So the anger of the Lord incited David to number Israel. That's what it says. Now this is First Chronicles 21.1. Then Satan stood against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Oh wait a minute! That's weird. How can that be? The anger of the Lord incited David, and then it says uh, say, uh, Satan stood up and moved him to number Israel. And now check this out. In Second Samuel twenty four ten, now David's heart troubled him after he numbered is the people. So David said to the Lord, "I have sinned greatly in what I have done." Now wait a minute. This is a great example of the sovereignty of God and the will of man. We have uh, three causes, so to speak, of David's choice. God, Satan, David. And who is said to be responsible but David? People say, well, wait a minute. How can this be? We're talking about the issue of free will. How can this be like this, that David would be responsible if God incited him to do something and Satan moved him to do something, but yet he's still responsible? How is that possible? Well, we could try and unpack it, but the fact is, he is, because that's what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. Now, did God ordain that David number Israel? Yes, he did. Was David responsible for his own sin in so doing? Yes, he was. This is compatibilism right here, not libertarianism, but compatibilism. So when we say, did God ordain that someone be raped? The answer is yes. But does it mean that God's responsible no, just as God ordained that David number Israel, David was the one responsible. And so the rapist was ordained by this, by God. He's responsible. What do we mean by ordained? Do we mean as reformed theologians that ordained means God made you do it and desired for you to do it? That's what he, oh, he wants you to go out and violate his own will. That's what so many people think we teach. We go, that's not what we teach. They go, yes, it is. And we say, uh, no, it's not. They say, it's not possible for you to be able to say that God ordained someone to be raped, and yet God's not responsible. Really? This is why I brought up David numbering Israel. Because I'm showing them from the scripture that David numbered Israel, and yet he was responsible. God obviously ordained it that he do that. But as scriptures say that Satan motivated him, that God's anger motivated him, and David did it himself. He's motivated, and he sinned in so doing. Now, people can say, I don't like it. Well, you can not like it all you want, but that's what the Scripture teaches. Then we have to deal with the issue of how do we make sense of this in the area of what we're discussing. And the Reformed people can do it. The non-Reformed cannot. The non-Reformed will say, well, that means that God made them do it. We never would say that because we bowed to the Scriptures. Of course he didn't because God's not the one who's the author of evil. Right, cool. David's the one. I so know. we would say, what's the answer? And we we have a way of answering it. Go ahead.
3: Well, I would agree with you because that was a curse that the most high God put on Israel. Uh uh that would Deuteronomy twenty-eight thirty at the beginning that shall betroth. I'm uh, listening, keep talking. Shall betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. So I I, I would agree with that. And um because I have been emailing back and forth for a little while with Andrew uh concerning Deuteronomy. 28 and 68 and yeah. what that meant. Uh, Cause I watched the video and there was a, a I don't want to say a kerfuffle, but a little disagreement on what that scripture meant. And uh, On which that, verse? Uh, Deuteronomy 28 and 68. Uh, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Let's see. Andrew had did a, a, I don't mean to call him by the first, his first name, Andrew Rappaport. Uh, yeah, yeah just Andrews, he's good. All right, uh, had a video, and I guess he was supposed to have the conversation with uh, someone from the Hebrew Israelite right? Oh yeah, yeah. belief, and uh, you know, for whatever was said there, I emailed Nas. You know, I, I would like to have that conversation. I'm not sure. I thought this was the platform, but. um I don't see
1: Andrew. He said I'd be he's speaking. off tonight. He, had to, yeah. he has to uh, pick someone at the airport tonight, so he's not here. That's why. Are yeah. you a black Hebrew Israelite person?
3: Uh, well, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a black Hebrew Israelite because you can't read that in the Bible.
1: They were Hebrew
3: Israelites, and without going into the weeds of it, uh, when you speak of what's Hebrew, some would say that it was the Semitic people uh, that spread all over the world. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I do espouse that my ancestors were uh, the people of the book.
1: Well, Andrew would be the one to talk to about that. He's quite good at uh, dealing with those issues. But um, I also have a friend I can get on here. He's in Arizona, and he's been studying it for years and years, and he can really kind of bring the issues to, to bear on what that really is. But, vocab?
0: Um, vocab alone? Yeah, vocab, yeah. I, yeah, I, can, I can get yeah. vocab on sometime. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um. So, so Ben, though, I wanted to go ahead. You brought up the whole thing about rape, and and how is it possible, or or would God do that kind of thing? And I, I I wanted to share with you, Ben, that um, when I was like 14 years old, I was uh raped by my own cousin, held me to held me to my bed with a knife through my throat, and had his way with me twice. Okay, now. Does God, did God, you know, do that? Did did God make that happen? Well, no, he didn't make that happen. I blame that to the depravity of man. But did God allow that to happen? I say, well, I would say yes. By his sovereignty, he, he foreknew that that would happen. But here's the wonderful thing is, is this, is as I got to know my wife, And we shared each other's uh, uh, scars and pains and, and all that kind of stuff. We actually healed through that, through that time, through that, that, that terrible, uh, past of mine. And so I would say that God took that horrible thing that happened to me and he made it into something good in my life. OK, he turned that into something that was going to be pleasing to him and to and, and to build me up. OK, so even if did God, even if God did actually make that happen in the end. It, say that. It, it, well, I know, but I'm just I'm trying to make a point saying it, even if he did that. In the end, it came to a good thing in the end, you know what I mean? So anyway, Matt, you you can go ahead.
1: Well, the point is that uh, as we're talking about this stuff, the antis often don't understand the terms that they're criticizing us with. They want to use our terms, but they don't want to use our definitions. And, uh, that's where the problem lies. And so they make huge mistakes. And so they just don't really discuss the issue and and study it very deeply. And then they hold us accountable for what they think we're guilty of. When I go, no, that's not our position. Yes, it is. You know, and, and, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. So um, there you go. You know, so it happens. happens a lot. Anybody else got any comments or questions? You want to say anything? Anybody in the room?
0: Ben, did you have anything else to talk about, uh, to ask him questions? Cause I have a, a quick little link that I want Matt to check, yeah. check out. Cause this is a really interesting uh, thing that I found. Well, I, I found sure. out about,
3: well, see, I uh, look at, the, I look at the scriptures a, a little bit different and, and, I don't look at it as I look at it in, for lack of a better word in an order uh how the scriptures lay out from point a to point z and I believe the world fits into those points throughout so certain conversations like if, if you guys are talking about some a certain topic of the scriptures if 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 I read the scriptures, I may see that scripture being talked to to a certain group of people and not all I'm not saying the whole Bible does that. But I believe that the Bible breaks it up into uh, individual conversations where it's talking, whether it's talking to individuals or nations. Uh, so certain messages are for
1: certain nations. Yeah, he does. that. We, we agree with that. Yeah, say to the sons of Israel, say to everybody, and things like that. Absolutely. He speaks narrowly, he speaks um in a yeah. broader, broader things, context, different contexts. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Because for the majority of my life I was raised Baptist, uh, and we had a, a certain viewpoint, and it was taught uh just believe you know the direction of Jesus and you'll be okay. But when you read the scriptures It's not exactly the. It's not exactly reading like that. Uh, I believe that Jesus, who they call Jesus, died for his nation in order to for his nation to fulfill what the most high had in store for them. And then the other nations come in through Israel. I don't believe you just go directly to Jesus and you're good to go
1: jesus says come to me all whoever laid and i'll give you rest and that means directly to jesus he says come to me yeah. so that's matthew 11 uh, 22 so exactly. there
3: you go said. like that like so so you would be reading that as if jesus was talking to everybody i would read that as jesus is talking to israel so israel can take their proper place and and as it says uh uh, in Micah, that all the nations will come to the house of Jacob to find the Most High, or Micah four
1: and two. So, because you but hear Jesus some, was not sent to Gentiles; he wasn't there for Gentiles.
3: Well, well, the the is it the Canaanite woman? Where he told her, "I've
1: only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Matthew, yeah, but, yeah, Matthew 10, 20, what, 15, 24 Well, I, I, well, I, I asked you a question; you didn't answer the question. What's was that? Jesus did Jesus come and bear the sins of uh, non Jews? Um so
3: that that answer is not kind of like a direct question I I I believe that if those non-Jews follow what was supposed to be set for Israel then yes he did die for them
1: but like So wait a minute then you're saying his dying for them was contingent on their obedience to the law
3: Uh um law and the testimony the law's not enough
1: So he did not a- die for I didn't bear the sins of people who were um, in Africa um, 2000 years ago, you know, a thousand miles away because they didn't have the option of, of following the law. They didn't even know about it. And so they just die. And, and that's, that's it. He didn't die for them. Right. Didn't well, bear any of their sins.
3: Well, so if, if we if we go to Romans ninth chapter, verse five, let me let me give just two scriptures and you tell me what they mean. Um I have to go to my phone because I don't want to be flipping pages constantly. So I'm going to go to Romans. The ninth chapter. And verse five. Um, yeah, well, I'll start at verse four. Bear with me. Who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of the most high and the promise? Verse five. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever. a man. And then the second scripture I'll go to is Acts, the fifth chapter. Verse 31. And it says him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior were to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So, wh- where we would probably differ is, I believe Israel has to get back, as it said in the Old
1: Testament. Israel. Is well, you're 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 kind of like preaching uh, black Hebrew oh, no. light stuff. No, uh, no. My question. I'm I, rest- where are you trying to go with it? What's up? Well, I
3: mean, well, well. The like I said, the conversation with Andrew was current. Uh, Concerning Deuteronomy, well, Andrew's not here. It, well, so then I'm trying to get on your guys'
1: page. Okay, hey, what I'm, do you? What's? I'm just trying to understand. What do you? What's your point? What's What's the thing you want to say, though? Well,
3: but as I was explaining, my point is: as you would be, you would believe that you just go to Jesus, I believe that your the Gentile salvation is through Israel.
1: I believe the Messiah See, then, died. And then, then, does that mean that Gentiles have to go to? Israel, go to Jerusalem?
3: Uh, well, not not necessarily, but uh, the Gentiles had to learn from Israel. Like uh, Paul, for so they example. They had to
1: learn from Israel. They got to go to Israel and learn from Israel? What do you well, mean, well, they had to go well, from Israel?
3: Well, we know the apostles went out to the churches that, that you know are
1: wrong. But I'm asking what it means. You say they yeah. had to learn from Israel. What does it mean? What does that, what does that actually mean? Give have a phone, it, talk to an Isra- a Jew? What?
3: No, because Israel was given the law. And they would know the word of
1: the word of God. What would I have to so, do exactly specifically? So, do give me something to, to the do law? Is that what in order saying? to be taught of the Jew. What do I have to do?
3: So, so, for example, if you were looking for a church you, and, and the pastor of the church, you would have to go to find a pastor of Israel to teach you the word of God to gain salvation.
1: Oh, oh so in order for me to get saved, I have to go to a Jewish person.
3: Not a Jewish person. You can't find a, Jewish people
1: Bible.
0: Israel. <laughs>
1: you just said it had to be taught of the Jews, he, he, but he not a like, no, no, no. Let me a, a,
0: get
1: them. Let me get them. Okay,
0: okay, okay. okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're not making any sense. So, so you you will call them Jewish, correct? No, I'm trying to understand what you're teaching. What? I'm just trying to think. What do I got to do if I want to? Get, so you're saying I'm not saved? That's what you're saying? Well, oh no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, you uh, are. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are. Because I've not done what you said you have to do to be saved. So exactly. So
3: it's the reason why Paul went to preach to the Gentiles, right?
1: Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're not answering my questions. This frustrates me when I, I say things, you don't respond to it, and you go on to something else repeatedly. Oh, okay. I'm asking you a specific question. I want to know exactly. Okay, tell me, am I saved or not saved? You can't look at my heart, but all intents and purposes, am I saved or not saved?
3: Now, do you celebrate Christmas?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> yep, we actually have a tree. Yep. Uh huh. Am I saved or not well, saved?
3: Well, see, that's what Paul was talking about. You're, Am you. Am I
1: saved or not saved?
3: Um. Well, by those terms, I would say no. We're not. All okay. of us
1: are not so saved. So I'm not saved because I celebrate Christmas. I'm no, sir. Uh,
3: in the grand scheme of it, right it now, says sorry. in Revelations, "He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be okay.
1: saved." I'm asking you a question: Am I saved? And you said no because I celebrate Christmas. No, I
3: just asked if you celebrate Christmas, but it says
1: I'm asking you specifically: Am I saved? You said, I "Had you celebrate Christmas?" And then you said you weren't. That's not related to the question I asked. Well, well, Christmas is not biblical. Okay, look. So, what, Who well, are you? Let's try it again.
3: Am I saved? I would say no. Why? Because do you don't follow the law, statutes, and commandments, and the testimony so, of the
1: Messiah. So I have to keep the commandments to be saved? That's what, it's, that's what the Bible says. Okay. So can you show me a verse that says I have to keep the commandments in order to be saved?
3: Uh, yes, sir. I can. Let's go to, uh, bear with me, because I studied the book, so I, I just have notes. Uh, Revelations, the 14th chapter.
1: Hey, folks. Revelation. hey,
4: what's
1: up, y'all? Hey, man, he's the BHI dude. He's the man. Got an hey, interesting
4: uh, conversation so, going on.
1: Okay, Revelation hey, what?
4: Revelation is
3: the 14th chapter, verse 12.
1: 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God in their faith in Jesus, right? Where does it say you have to be uh, keeping the commandments in order to be saved? Where is that, where is that in that verse? go
3: to uh no, 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 no. where's that in that verse bear with it bear with me let me go it's back not in the verse let me go back to it. 14 12. so but it, well, what is in the the verse it said it, it still references keeping the commandments
1: it, there's a lot of stuff that references keeping the commandments because it, i asked you for a verse that says that you have to keep the commandments in order to have your sins forgiven and then you go to this verse, it says, here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. It doesn't say, the verse does not say you have to keep your commandments to be saved. Show me another verse.
3: Okay, Revelations 22, verse 14.
1: Okay, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates uh, into the city.
3: Well, my, my Bible says, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter it through the gates of the city.
1: Okay. So it looks like a textual variant or something. If I look at the Greek and what it says is uh, who wash uh, penontes. Yeah. There Auton robes, robes, uh, stolas. Uh, that's what it is. Robes. Okay. And hold on a sec. Let me get my Greek new Testament. Okay. And it'll, Many textual variants. revelation 22 14 let me go this is my greek new testament see greek gotcha. okay and um here's the thing you're making a huge mistake you are reading into the text what is not there you keep saying this verse means that it doesn't say what you say you are you what you're doing is twisting God's word.
3: Okay. All right. What well, what well, again I I was trying to get where you guys were. The conversation I had with Andrew was concerning Yeah, well,
1: Andrew's not here. We do have a guy who knows BHI very very well and he can certainly jump in and do this. But look, um in verse 14, um, I'm looking at uh the Greek uh and there's a variant in verse 14 is what it says, and there's nothing in here um, about the law in the Greek, but a variant. So, again, like you said, the variant. In the Our commandments.
3: Yours says that, my says, man Well, I'm, I don't know. What, what version are you using? Uh, King
1: James 1611. King James 1611. Um, I, went, I got a recommendation for you. Uh, Blessed are they who do his commandments. And the word there, commandments, to milk in the Greek, is uh, entoles. Oh, okay. Okay. And so there it would be the commandments. Gotcha. Entoles says commandments. Those who just keep his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. All right. So what you're saying is that this proves then that they're able to um, get their salvation by keeping the commandments of God. I
3: well, uh, think you're saying. Totally, not totally. Not totally. Wait but a minute. It's, wait a minute. It's an wait, important. Wait. You have to have the testimony of the Messiah.
1: Without wait, 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 wait. We're talking about commandments right now. So you're saying we've got to keep the commandments. What do you do? Just curious. What do you do with Romans 3.28? We maintain that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law.
3: Well, What do we do
1: about Second Peter 3? Wait a second. I asked you a question. <laughs> I looked at your verses. I asked you to look at a verse. You ignore it and you go someplace not else. Not at all. No. If you don't look at the verse, we're going to move along. Uh, no, not at Look at the verse. I ask you specifically. Then what do you do with this? And you don't even look at it. You just ignore it and go someplace else. I'm not going to have a conversation with someone who won't even be back and forth and look at the verse.
3: You have to bear with me because I'm using my phone. That's so first off. That that's all I'm saying. So uh,
1: is a fan on?
3: Okay. Go ahead. So uh, so overall, whether you are saved or not.
1: Okay. You are not answering my question. I spe- I've been going with you. I've been answering your questions. I've been interacting with what you said. I specifically asked you a question. And you immediately ignored it and went someplace else. No, I didn't. It's not a conversation. You have one chance okay. to answer the question and then we can continue to talk. If you don't, we're done talking. So Romans 3.28, I ask you, what do you do? If you say that you have to keep the commandments to be saved, then I'm going to ask you that what there's many verses like this. What do you do then when Paul says we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law?
3: Apart from the works of the law, which would be the testimony of the
1: Messiah. Because I, what I, my belief. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. So the testimony of the Messiah is what he's talking about when he says the works of the law.
3: No, he's saying without the works of the law.
1: So, okay. so that because hey, wait, man, wait, 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 hold hold on, hold on. You said it's a testimony on the side. What are the works of the law in Romans three twenty-eight? The law of Moses or the law that was given to Moses. Okay. Now, what are the commandments you got to keep in Revelation twenty two fourteen?
3: Well, the ones that you because the
1: uh the commandments this me let's, let's let's be two or three commandments that Revelation twenty two fourteen is including. Uh
3: Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day.
1: Okay, so Old Testament law. Yes, sir. Okay, so Paul says we're not to keep, be justified by the works of the law. You said it was Old Testament law. Do you just contradicted yourself?
3: Not at all. What I'm saying is you have to follow the law, but you also have to follow the law in the spirit of the Messiah.
4: Amen. <laughs> hey, I got I got a few questions for him if he's if you guys want All right.
1: To... This is Malone the vocab Malone. Now let me introduce you, okay? Hey
3: give me give give me two seconds. Two seconds.
1: All right. Go ahead man. So this is Vocab and he he knows a lot of words uh because he's vocab. So, and uh <laughs> so so I got to meet him down in uh um Arizona and incidentally vocab, Anik and I my wife and I are putting our house up for sale in March. And then the uh... goal the goal is to get down there. We'll probably stay in Fountain Hills, and then we're going to see what's going to happen, if it all works out. But I can't get a hold of the guy in Fountain Hills, so we don't know what's going to happen. But you know how things are sometimes. So uh, that's that's the, the plan. Anyway, so Vocab and I hung out down there. He's a, he's a pretty good guy. And when it came to BHI, Black Hebrew Israelite, man, I still remember this. I was driving, and he was sitting in the car with me. And we're going along and I'm like firing questions at him and not challenging him. I'm like, okay, that would mean this. He's like, blah, 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 blah. I go, what about that? He goes, blah, 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 blah. Well, what about that? And he was just going to town on it. He knows Spoke. his stuff.
0: Spoke, so, speaking in tongues. <laughs> yeah,
1: he was doing that a couple of times. And then actually I said, Hey, what about it in English? He goes, Oh, well, in that case. Blah, blah. And so he really knows his stuff when it comes to, to a black Hebrew Israelite. And he's supposed to write me some articles for, um, for Karm.
4: Yeah. Hey, I gotta, I gotta email you about that. I'm i'm ready to do it however the christian research journal hit me up and they want me to do a real quick article on hebrews lights due in december and they pay they pay so i gotta do theirs first and then then i'll do do yours
1: (laughs) i'll get right to you which group will get you more exposure
4: (laughs) i i don't know how many hits (laughs) (laughs) it's like this it's like this it's like this uh It'll, anyways, I'll put it you this know, way. They'll, it, they'll
1: they'll will get paid, and then come over here to the Slop House, and then you can write something for free. They're going to uh,
4: subsidize your article because – There you articles, go. Because that way I'll <laughs> all. All right. Sounds but good. Hey, hey uh, the brother's name in the orange shirt. I didn't catch, catch your name. Uh, it's Ben. Oh, Ben. I see it now. Okay, okay. Hey, I, I think Matt asked great questions. Uh, I think there would be a couple other good questions if you're yeah, uh-huh. open. I wonder how these would fit in with what you believe. Go for it, man. Uh, so like, do you think that uh Timothy, Ben, do you think that Timothy was uh, an Israelite? Uh you know what? I I wouldn't say. I I can't say yeah or no. Well, do you think um? How do you think a person's Israelite heritage is properly determined? For example, does their father, their father have to be uh, an Israelite?
3: Uh, I think in, in these times, I I think it's um. How where it says the spirit beareth witness, so I think it's the conditions of you.
4: Okay, so would you say there's like a percentage of your blood that would have to be Hebrew for you to qualify as an Israelite? You know, like for example, there's a lot of programs that if you're Native American, you can qualify for, but you have to be you have to have a tribal card and your you your blood has to be a certain percentage. You know, it's like one sixteenth, this kind of thing. What percentage? What fraction would a person have to be Hebrew, Israelite to qualify as being able to be that mediator between a, a Gentile seeking salvation and God? Do you have like a, a way to determine that?
3: No. I, again, I, I, I believe
4: the conditions. Uh, for, so, for example, the curses. Okay. Uh, can you tell me any time in the Bible where Israel determined their lineage by curses they've experienced as opposed to whether their father or mother was an Israelite? No sir, not early in it, but I think that it was the, towards the latter days. So you would After. say you have an extra biblical way to determine Israelite heritage then. Uh no sir, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say extra biblical, but again, I would
3: determine in, in the latter days what 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 is the condition of Israel? What
4: condition will Israel be in, in the okay. latter days? Well, cool. so for example, Timothy's father according to Acts sixteen one, was a Greek. Yeah. Well, Job was the Edomite, so, so so will we say Job doesn't have a chance? Well, no, I don't agree. With the, you know, with the presupposition that there's a, a barrier of an Israelite before Jesus, but you do have that barrier. So, do you believe that Timothy would have been qualified as his father is not an Israelite? Do you think he would have been qualified to be this play this mediatorial role between a Gentile and Jesus? Uh, I, I would say so. So it, half would be acceptable, even if your mother was the Israelite. I see. I think because you asked me
3: about percentages and yeah. numbers, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even enter. I wouldn't even go there. Well, again, what I will go in is when you read the scriptures when it says when it reads about in the latter days the condition that Israel would be in. Okay. I say that because so, it, so in my hometown. There's there's places that are lower income and impoverished that the white community dwells in, but would I say that they don't have a chance or they in trouble? Of course
4: not, because they're oppressed by the same beast that we are. They, they wouldn't qualify as Israelites, though, would they?
3: I, well, we know strangers dwell with Israel in the Old Testament, so, so we you, don't, We know there's laws for in, in the Torah for the strange.
4: So hypothetically, someone who lives in like a trailer type situation who would look like maybe they're from Appalachia. They, you know, they would look white to everybody. It's possible. They could actually be a Hebrew Israelite, according well, to you, because they are poor not, and oppressed. Not at all. But as no?
3: we know, we, during the black Panther party, we know members of the black Panther party
4: went to Appalachia because they were well, being well, oppressed the same as the Right. But I'm president. asking, see, the, here's what's important because you're saying that a person has to go to someone who is an Israelite, first along the, if, if let's say that let's say that here's salvation, here's the end place you're trying to go. You know when you take a bus and you're on the bus and you've got a transfer, you've got to get off and go another spot. You know it's kind of a laborious process to do. You get off, and, so the end goal is salvation for a Gentile. Under your reading, you've got to ride the Israelite bus first before you can get on the Jesus bus. Uh, now that's why it's important to determine this. Now here's a, a related question for 1 Timothy himself.
3: Well, hold on, hold on, vocab, just before you ask the the, the next question, sure. you're about to. Um, because who you who who you say Jesus? Jesus was an Israelite, so there is no barrier that you have to go to an Israelite to get to Jesus. But I'm saying because the word was given to a particular. It, who that people has been scattered? That people is just now newly coming into who they are. Over we talking over thousand, uh, at least a thousand years, coming into who they are. I in the grand scheme, Israel, because we know the we real quick we know the 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 major faiths that cover the earth. One is Christianity. The other is Islam, and you could say Catholicism is the third.
4: And the well, world, I mean, yeah, we got the East too. We got you know the Eastern religions, but yeah, we
3: hold on. Bear with me. Bear with me. Yeah, uh, we we do have those the Eastern religions, but concerning the powerhouse nations, America is what they call a Christian nation. We know in the Middle East that they call a, 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 ben,
4: a I, I'm trying to let you go, but you're, re, you're really going off into some other areas. I'm trying to get directly to these soteriological questions. 1 Timothy 2.5 is really, really important. It says this, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth Now when it says there's one mediator between God and men Why do you try to erect another mediator Which is an ethnic group? Why would you do that? Well, I don't think I did So, so you said Timothy, you, correct? Yeah, but you you said you have to go To a modern day Israelite No, to- no, no,
3: sir Now, Now hold on because I'm 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 this is, you know, for everyone's on here for edification. So what I don't want ha- want to be done is you putting words in my mouth because I didn't say that.
4: So we don't have to go through an Israelite then?
3: I believe you have to go through Israel to get the word. How? So 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 would you say so, so would you, in your opinion, would you say that there's an influence of Israel? Within the Christian, the the teachings, the way Israel understood the Bible,
4: would you say that was there in the Christian church today? Uh, Is the way Israel understood the Bible in the the Christian church today? Well, of course, one challenge with that is there's no one way Israel understood the Bible. Even in Jesus' day, you had Pharisees, Sadducees. Essenes at Qumran. You had zealots. I'm not
3: talking. So, so to say,
4: the way Israel understood the Bible is a very strange question. No, I'm
3: I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking because that's under an umbrella. All those people you named they the the place that they got their information from was the Bible, whether it was the Sadducees or the Pharisees or any of those other groups that you you, uh, that you stated. I'm what I'm saying is. To get true understanding of the Bible, you have to go to the people that the Bible, that the word was given
4: to. So, right? Okay, okay. Let me let's stop there. So, do you think if I was alive in the first century, I should have went to Caiaphas or Annas to get true understanding of the Bible? Then,
3: no, I, I would um, tell
4: you. So, it's not an ethnic issue then. It must be a truth issue then.
3: But see, well, but that's just it. You,
4: you, because uh, Matt has been saying black Hebrew Israelites for I, me. Hold I, on. Didn't, I didn't say anything no. about black. I'm asking you about Caiaphas and if I can't it's trust Caiaphas and Ananias, and who can I trust then in Israel? What do you mean? Could I, you, you me? said you have to go to Israel to get the understanding? Mm-hmm. Could I have went to the Sanhedrin in Jesus' day to get the proper understanding of the Bible? Then no. could I? Have, no. Okay, I'm so that's a, they they were the very leaders of Israel. So your thesis doesn't hold up. Why couldn't I have went to the Sanhedrin? Why wouldn't you go to Jesus? Or his apostles, who so it's some, so it's some Israelites, not all Israelites.
3: No, we we know there was a battle, and we know that there's always a
4: battle for truth, just like there is right now. But see, this shows it's not about an ethnic problem; it's not an ethnic designation. Ben, It's about the truth of what they're saying. Peep it out. Peep it
3: out. Peep it out. Because you keep saying ethnic, I don't believe that it's an ethnic
4: thing. So Israel's not an ethnic group. Hear me out. I believe the people that
3: was Israel, I believe they were an ethnic group. But when you're speaking from a spiritual standpoint, ethnicity has nothing to do with.
4: <clears throat> well, that's a, that's actually right. So it's spiritual Israel that's key. Right. Okay. No. Okay. So,
3: well, we gonna have no, no. so Well,
4: you wait. Wait. You don't agree with the concept of spiritual
3: Israel? It's spiritual in, in the latter days, yes. I do agree. Well, not just
4: in the latter days. Do you think Ahab was truly of Israel, according to Paul's reading of what Israel, true Israel, was and wasn't? Ahab was, you think? Ahab was, but he he did, he did wrong. So, all who are of the circumcision are they of the circumcision? Not all. But that would have been for all times, right?
3: Well, no, because there was a time that all that knowledge was taken from Israel,
4: so they but were moving around. It's and not. At all. But Ben, it's not about just the knowledge, is it? it, it is. It, I, I would say. Oh, not so if it's merely okay, if it's merely a fact of the knowledge, then all you need to do is ask a knowledgeable Gentile.
3: Okay, so well, I, no, I. Okay, so you. So ask, it is
4: ethnic then.
3: So, so you said. So think about it. In, in the sixteen hundreds. When when the slaves got off the ship, all their understanding of a spiritual level came from someone other than them. They came from the Gentiles.
4: Well, that, that has been the standard. Well, when they first got off the ship, it would have came from their forefathers, which a lot of them had to do with ancestral worship no, and, and animism.
3: So you you telling me that the people that was teaching
4: the Bible to the slaves were black people? Well, no, no. You said when they got off the ship, the yes. native religion that most West Africans brought with them was animistic and ancestral worship. By the way, it wasn't Israelite in any way. So, so, so that's, you said when so that's, they got off the ship. So that's
3: the difference. You believe that the people who got off the ship were not Israelites, right?
4: Do you have evidence that they are Israelites? Uh, again, the spirit bear witness. What what would they get? What would they go through dealing with that? Did they call themselves Israelites? The ones that well, the generations after the start of slavery, no, they didn't. So you believe the initial groups of slaves called themselves Israelites? They didn't call themselves by other names. I, w- I would say they did. They did call themselves by other names. Do you have what's the best evidence? You think the best piece of evidence that shows that West Africans were calling themselves Israelites?
3: Well, again, it, I, again, I wouldn't say they were calling themselves Israelites. When they you said probably- they were. See, this, this, the thing, what I, allow me to, to, okay. The people who got off the boat, the slave ships, I believe they were Israelites. Now, did they call themselves Israelites? I don't believe so. Based off of things like the, the Yoruba tribe, they, they don't call themselves Israelites. They call them Yoruba or the Ashanti. They call themselves Ashanti. They don't call themselves Aruba, uh, uh, Israelites, but what do they follow? What is their customs? What is their tradition? That's those are, are indications of who they are.
4: Well, do you think that the Israelites ever worship their ancestors or prayed to their ancestors? I or do, believe bro. that you believe that Israelites believe that their ancestors could impart wisdom to them and and do you believe that Israelites believe that physical objects were uh, endowed or sometimes even possessed with spirits, which could be good or evil, you know, animism. Do you believe the Israelites taught that? All, all
3: those things that you named, I believe Israel did. It was what ended them up in the situation there. Well,
4: no, Okay, so you're saying they weren't being biblical when they were teaching animism and getting into ancestral worship. You're saying that was – so you don't have good evidence. It doesn't sound like to me, unless I missed something, that those folks were – were Israelites. Well, here's an important, maybe almost personal question. You think you're an Israelite. Would you believe that it's necessary to go to an Israelite to find out the truth of the gospel if you did not think you were an Israelite yourself? Ask that question again. If you did not think you were an Israelite. Okay. Because you believe you are. Do you think that you would still believe that a Gentile must come to an Israelite first to understand the gospel or hear the truth. Do you think you would still believe that? Well, actually, for the longest, I believe I was a
3: Gentile. And I believe that if I didn't came into the information I
4: came into, I would still be in the church. When you thought you were a Gentile, according, you know, I'm using your words, did you still think you needed to go to an Israelite to find out the truth? No. Okay, so this truth you found out, did you find out about it from an Israelite or from a Gentile? Israelite. How do you know they were an Israelite? The spirit bear witness, their conditions. What did they go through? So how you thought you were Gentile, but you still trusted your spirit to bear witness accurately to determine that the person who taught you was an Israelite. Were these people that you all knew physically or videos that you watched as well? Um. Some here locally where I'm from, there are some in the video. Do you think you can determine a person's spirit by watching them on video camera?
3: Yeah, yeah, you can. Of of course, anyone that you're not close to, you're not going to know the full, full gambit of that individual. So what you do is you take from them what you're in front of. If if they're teaching a lesson, if they're they're, uh, the leader of an organization, Excuse me, a leader of an assembly? Yeah, you chew the meat, spit out the bone.
4: Here, I'll I'll get off and see if anyone else has questions. This is like kind of the the last thing. Do you have a Bible verse that teaches what you just said? This idea that your spirit can subjectively testify that someone is an Israelite, and that's how you know. And therefore, you got to because what if you were wrong about some of the people you thought were Israelites, and therefore you might be violating your own understanding of. Salvation, maybe some of the truth you were getting actually was from Gentiles, not from Israelites. What if they were—wouldn't w- w- that mess up? How, what's the verse, though, that you would utilize? Would you utilize a verse in Galatians or Romans, perhaps? For what? This idea that your spirit can bear witness to someone's um, lineage. Oh, no. You know no, they're an acceptable no, recept- no, receptor okay. of truth.
3: See, I'm not, I'm not really caught up in lineages. I'm more caught up in the Scripture itself.
4: Okay, so, well if somebody
3: says So bear with me, bear with me. Okay. So so when I approach the Bible, I don't approach the Bible to gather the information to go out and boast and brag and say I'm an Israelite. It's for my personal salvation as such. But for the 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 reality part of it, the, the real place, is for the physical part of it. Because for so long I didn't know who I was historically, or where I came from. When I came into this information, I studied. So that that's what it is. But I would never approach anyone that, let's say, someone who's a Gentile, approach them in a manner that I wouldn't offer them the knowledge that I have to Now,
4: right? You seem like a cool guy. It's not about you know your personal. It's more. It's more really about our, our theology because. I I, we we both would say we want to know the truth, and so do you think that the rules that you kind of laid down, because you sort of laid down almost like a salvation protocol, you know, like a step in order. Do you think that those rules or that idea, that concept, can be found in Acts chapter 15 when the early church made a ruling about all the Gentiles coming into um, salvation? Because it seems like it doesn't. In fact, if I could just read this verse, and I would want to know how you would interpret it, Acts 15:19. Therefore, my judgment, and this is the conclusion of the letter they're writing to the Gentiles to so let everybody in the early church know, is that we, so that's the people of the circumcision, should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood for yes. from ancient generations. So it goes on. It doesn't say anything about you need to find an Israelite to find the truth. It doesn't say anything about keeping the, the whole law. It doesn't say anything about don't celebrate certain holidays. It doesn't yeah, say anything exactly about the right. Sabbath. It doesn't say any of that.
3: So, so but tell me that, what you just read, where did the Gentiles get that information from?
4: From the letter that they sent out to all the churches. Yeah, but who wrote that letter? Well, ultimately, the Holy Spirit yeah ultimately if you, look at, if you look at verse eight, ultimately the Holy Spirit is I, I in charge totally, of the proceedings there i totally, but, I
3: totally agree but but the individual who wrote that that was given that information to the Gentiles
4: well, was, this is a council, but James is the leader of the Jerusalem Council if that's what you're asking
3: of course so yeah. so that's what I mean by the Gentiles didn't go to outside of Israel to get the, their information their word, they went to
4: Israel okay there's a hey, i appreciate you asking there's other things i could ask uh but there's so many people on here i should probably uh kind of step back and let other people discuss things that they would like
1: okay. i'll tell you what man i i enjoyed it um i'm gonna start calling you the janitor uh, <laughs> no,
4: no i'm just i'm just this 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 guy by the way everybody matt slick listens to really hardcore heavy
1: metal yes i do and the, why, why do i do that
4: you, apparently to find peace that was what, what you <laughs> he listens to super hot, hard fast screaming metal to find peace no, and calm, calm his nerves <clears clears throat> that you list. said it you no. said it clear, clears you out right it's like an audio enema right
1: whoa audio enema that's interesting um <laughs> Never heard that. No, I listened to, to uh, some – I like reggae also and blues. But, uh, heavy metal because it's soothing because of the bass yeah. sound. It's <laughs> a autism thing. You jerk. You. It's,
4: hey, guys, you heard it here first, Matt Slick. Uh, heavy metal is soothing.
1: For me. Right. For me. Oh, Sorry.
4: Yeah. I, I'm cool, man. I'm going to fall back. What's up to everybody in the chat?
1: You. Right. Yeah, man, it's giving me a hard time. I'm going to give you one when we get down here. So uh, are you going to move up to what, Ohio? Are you going to stay here? uh, I don't know
4: what's going on. It's in the Lord's hand. I try to do one thing, but then something else happens. So I'm just living day by day. Right now, I'm chilling. I'll be waiting on you basically for now.
1: All right. I got a question for you then. Are there any Reformed uh, churches that have contemporary worship that's not so stinking loud?
4: Well, the loud part is going to be a trick. I know some ones with, I do know some Reformed churches with contemporary worship, but the problem is they also have contemporary sound levels. Which most modern worship is done almost at a right below, uh, almost a concert
1: level of decibels. It's insane. I went to Mark Driscoll's church when we were down there. I had to literally put earplugs in because it was so yeah. loud. It was like, what's the problem? And I don't understand why people do that. And um, you know, I, I have sound issues with my ears. My wife didn't even like it, and she doesn't have those issues, and she didn't like it. It was just so loud. So uh yeah
4: you might have to uh, earplug it and sit in the back until the music's over. Yeah, if you're looking I, if you're looking for a more contemporary cuz I could tell you about some reformed churches that only do pianos or only do hymns. no hymns
1: are evil. I hate them. Well, I if I do oh uh, hymns would make me uh just dry up spiritually. You know
4: what? Hey I can even find some EP churches for you. You know what those are? Exclusive psalmody.
1: <laughs> yeah, but if, he, if it's Solus it's of uh, Psalm Nola, then you can't sing about Jesus. You can't use his name.
4: Well, let me play the role of the EP guy. Are you saying Jesus is not protected
1: in the Psalms? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if you weren't listening, I said oh, you true. can't. <laughs> at the name of jesus every knee will bow at the name of jesus unless you're singing the psalms then it has to be something else but uh no no i don't like i i can't survive in hymns a hymn church I've, i'm not knocking them it's just that uh, if there's got hymns I, i'm like ready to just go, go comatose and uh I, I you know i gotta listen to corn on the way home just to recover so
4: yeah you're revealing all your secrets here matt slick right. after, him, <laughs> after a good dose of mighty Fortresses, who's our god god matt slick needs to listen to corn to yes, clean i do himself, to clean that's himself right. out yeah
1: that's right bottled up inside yeah all
4: i right. think i think you have uh the angst of a of an 18 year old trapped in <laughs> trapped in a, a different body
1: well you know what i'm I'll be sixty-two in a couple of months—less than two months—and uh, all my friends are twenty to forty years younger than me. Oh, I don't really? hang around with anybody my age.
4: Hey, that's good though. That means, yeah, you know, actually, though, some that party we went to was. It was all like college kids, too. That was
1: awesome, especially when you started doing the karaoke thing with your mankini on. That was interesting. I had to get the film developed.
4: I don't even know what a mankini is. (laughs) You're so so white,
1: man. It was was bad. You know? So we'll, we'll, we'll put it up. And there's a little bit of ransom stuff that may have to come in and blackmail some cause.
4: Okay. I don't, I don't even know what's happening now, but uh, <laughs> I'll try to help you with some churches, bro. I will do my best.
1: Yeah, well, we want to get something down there, but uh, I just can't take the uh, the super loud, noisy music. I don't mind it loud, but it's just so stinking loud. It's like, what are you doing? My ears are going to bleed. And if they do hymns, um, my wife and I just dry up. We just don't. You know,
4: probably the first <laughs> yeah. church I would recommend is uh, there's a church called Redeemer. And it's out east, and they have a school, and it's a classical education school connected to it. And they are—they're pretty—they're pretty pretty awesome church. Now I don't know exactly about their music, but I know that's a church that's gonna be kind of close to where you're gonna live. I'll get you some information though. But all right, yeah. What's up, okay. brother Jay?
1: Charlie says that would crack up if you played him a country western to him about a clown blown <laughs> by tornado. <laughs> He does all the things. Charlie, this guy here, a lot of people don't know, he's the guy who read me the quote from Joseph Smith that got me started in apologetics back in... What year was that? 79 or 80? I think it was 80. Whatever. We just say... I just say 80. I think it was I said, might have been 79. Anyway. <laughs> uh,
0: also, right, yeah, so. I was going to say, we also have Brother J and K-Dub True, and they are uh, the dynamic duo when comes to talking with... Uh, Hebrew Israelites and all yeah. that. So Who's you this? guys are awesome. Here, so Kevin, who?
1: Sh let me
4: give you a shout out real quick. I'll break it down, Matt. So yeah, K dub is a reformed rapper. He raps all these great <laughs> raps about Calvinism. And uh he does a lot of stuff for street witnessing to Hebrew Israelites. Really? And also atheists and uh he does some Calvin with you? He's in Dallas, Texas. He's in uh,
5: Dallas. I actually uh I met you when you did the debate with Smalley and uh Yeah? Yeah, and we uh, went out to Denton to evangelize I, we, we did. did? I don't know if you. you, you, you <laughs> <laughs> hey,
4: he's 62. He listens to
1: corn.
6: Right, right, right. I talked yeah. to a lot of
4: people.
1: I had a, I had a rough night that night, if oh, you remember. But yeah. I'm out in Dallas, dude. I, I would love to hang with you and go out there and watch what you do out there. I'm oh, yeah, serious. They,
4: they do yeah, some yeah. really cool stuff, him and a guy named Ricky, Jesus of the Word. And then also
1: we got uh, over oh, there. Man, I want to be there. I would back you guys up. i like to be in a crowd with you guys like that. Someone gives you a hard time with a complicated whatever, I can pick them off so you can do your thing. That's what
5: I like to do. Yeah, to, let's come on out. <laughs> That's That'd right. be fun.
4: And then uh, also Brother Jay. Brother Jay. Um, himself is an ex-Heberzelite. He was in one of the, the biggest, kind of most prestigious camps, and he got out of it by God's grace with his whole family intact by God's grace. Praise and uh, actually, he used God. to make music for them. He used to do videos and do music. He's got a great singing voice, a great artist all around, and now he does music, but it's to warn people about Heberzelites and, of course, praise Ooh. God. And he does a lot of debates with Hebrews lights, but also regarding reformed theology and things like that. And so Brother Jay is real dynamic, too. So you got some awesome guys there in the chat.
1: So that's you, Jay. I'm looking at you, man. You got a sound system set up in the whole bit. looks pretty good. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. 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 It's work done.
7: To put out a, a new animated. Hey, John, uh, me and John dropped that uh, animation music video not too long ago, uh, Vocab. Oh, it's on? Yeah, it's on YouTube now.
4: So Matt, if you ever get a chance, uh, Brother Jay's got some really cool things. Where, like I said, he does songs warning people about Hebrews lights. He's he's totally. got his testimony on there, and then yeah. he's got debates about reform theology too. So he's kind of really Send awesome stuff.
1: Send me some links. I'd love to check it out. No doubt.
4: But yeah, like I said, I'm gonna fall back. But that's introducing my boys. What's up to everybody else though?
1: You
5: know yeah, we watched What's the up, uh, dialogue last night with uh, uh Layton. Um. <laughs> yeah i saw you guys on there in the chat room there
0: so yeah, yeah it was great good. to see you guys
5: yeah um so he's been talking about it today and did a little jay brother jay actually did go on there and talk with him for a bit but i guess i'll give my uh, thoughts and let brother jay say something if he wants but sure. it, seem, it seems that he was not he does not want his view of a man to dictate what man does so he, he would always go back to adam and you were pointing out rightly that hey no, we're, you're you're not in the same state of Adam. And one of his questions to you was, well, show me you know if this if if losing free will was so big, why didn't God tell of that curse right in Genesis three? And I'm kind of thinking, well, show me in Scripture where you know free will is so talked about in that beginning anyway. You know he right. he assumes his position. That's right. I think you did a great job of of, of showing like you're not pro- you're not proving your position, you're assuming it and then wanting me to, you know, um, you know, correct yeah. it. Yeah, begging the so, question. Right.
1: And so yeah, he's begging the question constantly, but you know what I thought was interesting was uh, uh, the issue of Jesus. You know, he could do nothing yeah, of his own initiative. That whole bit, he didn't know what to do with that. It that really it, caught him off guard.
5: No, you. I went on his page today and it, it went over his head because that's like the main thing they're talking about like you're trying to say i don't know like compared to christ i think that's what they were thinking you were saying that i was saying what like you had the same nature as christ of course that's, not that's the only thing i could assume that, that why well, well,
1: the same nature in a human nature jesus is human nature his is not fallen i'm human but i the point was jesus is a perfect man and we have to study the perfect man and the perfect man Jesus, the God-man, but he has two natures, but God-man, he was saying that he could do nothing of his own initiative, and he said, I can do nothing of my own initiative, and I asked him, well, did God the Father determine what he did, and he wouldn't even answer the question, right, I mean, that would, to me, was like, it, it's over, because you can't answer the stinking question that was so simple, did God determine what Jesus would do and say, if he says yes, my position wins. If he says no, he contradicts the scripture. Right. So he said nothing. And then he got unglued and said, "What well, you a divine man? Are you divine? What was yeah. that? Right. <laughs> it wasn't the divinity that we we're talking about now, was it? And, it, you know, I really thought he, he's imploded on that one. I really did.
5: Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of uh, funny. You, you, you know, quote these scriptures for your position. He, you know, you, then you ask a question about it. And he's like, well, I don't want to get into philosophy. <laughs> a-
1: I know. I remember that when I go, I said, but I'm just quoting the scriptures, but there were places of philosophy because I want to know if, if Bob believes and Frank does not. Why? He says, uh-huh. because the gospel message enables them. Then I have to ask more questions. What is about the gospel message that has an effect on the person? There's a metaphysical effect. There's an ontological effect. There's some effect. What is the effect? Because his position, he's inconsistent. His position is that, that the man by himself can't come to God. Right. So the gospel has to interact. That means his natural state is he can't come to God. That means that something has to happen to him by the preaching of the gospel to change his natural state so that he can now receive. What is that change? He can't answer the question because his theology doesn't allow him to be logical at this level. And that's right. the problem.
5: And he, he never presented actually a, a positive case for his position. It was just, well, your, your position on total depravity is unbiblical.
1: Yeah, we call it the Dillahunty Dodge, where he doesn't keep a position, and then he just attacks your position. He's dodging, having to defend his own. And I could get in there and, and do the same thing with him and say, look, show me libertarianism in, uh, in scriptures. And, um, and the best thing I thought he had was the issue of Isaiah and the people and being hardened. But the thing is, it was a covenantal Israel, and they were already believers in God, too. So we're not talking, you know, about the issue of the unbeliever coming to Christ and the, and hearing the gospel and it changes and enables them to believe in God. Right. You know, it's just, it's just. Uh, so okay, now hold on. I gotta, I gotta say something here. So you're a black guy. Jay's a black guy, and you guys are both reformed.
5: Right. Yeah.
1: I just don't see that. I just, I just, I just, I just. It does not sit well with me.
7: Forms. I, I look Pentecostal. You, you what?
1: You what? I look Pentecostal. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I talked to a black pastor. I, I don't know seven eight years ago, and he was hardcore reformed. And I kept saying, "Dude, I just I just can't get over it. I just I just I've just never met a guy." And so it, it just praise God. But uh, you guys are awesome.
5: We're out here, Matt. I know you guys are awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah we are here.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. got some things
7: I had watched the uh, I had watched the talk last night too, and my main thing I. I always, uh, you know, when having discussions with people, I always want to start at. I feel like everything. If if you can't get the start off point, you know, meaning, you know, man's nature correct. I feel like everything right. else is basically is no really no use in arguing with you about it if, if we can't get the nature of man right. Because if you do, um, and you know, and obviously go by the scripture and what it paints out man to be, you're gonna have to ask the question: Well, something got to change. For, you know, for example, like God said in uh, Jeremiah, you know, he said, uh, you know, and then you will seek for me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Um, you know, obviously, the Lord commands uh, that we love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. And we know that, you know, within our fallen nature, none of us have done that. Um, so the question is, well, wait, well, God, if God don't lower his standards, he still expects that, but yet we know our condition, how is it that we're able to fulfill those those commands? And obviously, that leads into, you know, the working of the Holy Spirit and Christ and 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 all those things, but if you thinking man is good somehow got some good left somewhere that he can be dead and in bondage, and th- and he used this analogy today, Um, I think he used it with you too, and, and and I've heard a couple people try to use it when I had discussions about this bondage scenario where somebody's in bondage and they humbly admit their bondage, and like I I pointed out him today, I said the difference between I said the problem with your analogy is that your bond your slave knows he's a slave but but biblically that man is such in bondage they don't even know it so how can he humbly admit something he don't even know um, you know and, and use the example of John 8 um when Christ is talking about you know he that sin if it's a slave to sin but the people ain't they didn't think they were slaves you know they was thinking carnally you know they weren't in chains right. in that generation and uh, and it's and, and I say it's like second nature that bondage they're in is like second nature um it's like breathing they don't think about it they they don't know they're slaves until um, until somebody make it known that they're slaves, and then when they admit it, obviously there was something that took place in them because you see the condition of the slave. He's a slave. He doesn't know it, and if he knew it, he still wouldn't want to come out of it because he loves the bondage he's in. So, you right, know, right. So those analogies that they, they they throw out there, man, is uh, you know can't can't really be used. And um, and so I was I was in there today, and it was kind of you know. Getting under my skin a little bit, I jump out there because my wife is calling me. But all that kind of dismissing thing, you know, you read clear text about the condition of men, and then they'll be like, uh, well, uh, just because it says that, that doesn't mean man can't do this. And I'm like, man, no, no. brother, like, come on, man. You know, um, and I was telling brothers today, I say, the, the scriptures is not a, a fairy tale book. It coincides with reality. So when we're reading about the carnal state of men, it's describing us you know, describing people that we see every day. And so I was telling the brother, I said, man, last week, uh, the Lord let a li- real-life example come before my face um, and, and, and proved everything that is that we were saying. I had a guy come work on my house, uh Caucasian brother, and, uh, well, he's not a Christian, but he grew up a Christian, but, uh, or at least in a religious family. And so, uh, and so he doesn't go by Christian or anything today, so I was talking to him and um and obviously by the way I was speaking, he could figure I was Christian. And so he we outside and he said, Man, I'm gonna tell you straight up. He said, Um, the only reason I'm not a Christian is because I like to sin. Like this is the first person that ever told me to straight up. And then he was like, weird, in the next there, sentence, man. in the next sentence he said, But I'm a good person. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I said bro this is like Too set up perfectly man But um, I was like man he, He's the yeah, first person <laughs> I ever ran into Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like to sin but I'm But I'm a good person I right, like to sin
1: but I'm a good person, person. Yeah, yeah. Good person. yeah.
7: <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we had like A long conversation while he was working on my house But um, You know so I, I saw this conversation last night I was getting kind of you know It was kind of getting on my skin with the dismissals And things like that but Um, the 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 brother that's I don't know if he's still here. Oh yeah, that's still here. I don't I don't don't see your name on the thing, but I see your face. Uh, that's in the that's that's the Hebrew Israelite. Um, I know that some people proclaim that they're Black Hebrew Israelites based off of DNA tests or whatever the case is, and then there's those that say, oh, it's because of curses and all other stuff. What 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 group are you in as far as uh, you know, identify identifying your black, you know, your Hebrew Israelite or whatever. Is it off of curses or is it oh you did some DNA tests? Uh
3: the, I would say that what I would stand on would be the curses. Uh so uh, are we, you in a group? No sir. Okay. Cool. Um uh, no. well let me say let me preface this. Okay. Because I um I think I seen you before what's it what's your Jay? Yeah um i've seen a couple of your uh the de- uh debates but you were with iuic yeah okay so uh, how how i came into this was, was not through i was in new york city probably in 2009 and there was some brothers on the street uh on the street corner and they was preaching and and I was listening to what they were saying or whatever. They got to a point that I disagreed with and I walked away. But I kept studying on my own, you know, and, and being, being new to it, I had to go where I had to go to get the information. So whether it was through books, uh, whether it was through videos, documentaries, as such. My understanding, I, I, I don't, I'm, the, there are those that are in camps myself i i don't subscribe to camps okay uh because you get outside you you can it can become more about the man or the the organization versus the scripture. yeah
7: yeah
3: and i Mm try to avoid that as much as possible all
7: right now i mean as far as basing it off of the curses i mean i know you say you looked at yourself but i mean um and you've been exposed to some some of the teachings the the understanding that you know people are uh Hebrew Israelites based off of the curses during twenty eight and, and other chapters, um, I mean that that came from a from a camp understanding. Even though you're not part of one, that, that came from the camp understanding.
3: Oh, I, I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that. Right. But uh, but again, you know how however the information has to be gathered and presented. So if less so because what I, what I never wanted to do was get into the doctor. Because for as many camps as there are out there, all of them have different doctors. Yeah. So, and I believe that that's a result because uh, of the stage of the game. I believe the people are still all over the place. Um, although there are organized camps and leaders of those camps, those leaders have not got together yet to come together. <clears throat> well, they're not you know about the history well, and the track record, but well, well we we, uh, the, we know the only one that would make that happen would be the Mashiach, the spirit of that, because otherwise, if it's just left up to man, you're right, it'll never happen so well, if anything happened like that, it would have to be from the most high
7: well, the reason why I asked about the the curses would would you be one of the ones who and I'm just finding out you know let'm just asking questions, bro but uh Is hey, that?
3: Man, I, I'm uh yeah. I, I'm up here uh on the witness stand.
7: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm trying to figure out. You know, just like how you say, you know, varying degrees of doctrines and 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 stuff like that. So I'm just trying to figure out who I'm dealing with right now. But uh, but in terms of the curses, would you be able to understand that these those curses were upon just one people group, therefore identifying who they were, or is this or do would you be one of the ones that say, hey, you know? Those curses we read in Deuteronomy 28 happened to multiple nations on the earth. I, I
3: I would say it happened to multiple nations. Uh the those things, bad things just wasn't relegated for Israel. But the but the the particular aspects that was gonna be done to Israel, that's what I'm talking about. So so yeah, Deuteronomy 28, 68 is talking about slavery. Well, yeah you can just rely on we are descendants of slaves uh me you uh the other brother i can't see his picture we are descendants of slaves but there are other aspects concerning that slavery that are indicators of who the people are
7: now during well speaking of 68 i was going to talk about the first verse first but uh, another verse but just on sixty-eighty. um would you agree that the slavery that it was talking about as far as location wise was the literal Egypt, right? No, sir. Uh what what in that verse would make you think it was another place if the la- very language itself is, is Mizraim? Yeah, exactly. And and even the Egyptians didn't call it Mizraim. So Mizraim or I mean whatever you want to call it but
3: so so what I believe when it says Egypt it's not referring to a location.
7: if okay, so if we went to the verse And I literally showed you it did point to a location.
3: uh, Yeah, I would not. I I, I would. I would. I would say it points to a location, and it's also symbolistic of a a condition.
7: Okay, so if we deal with the first level of it that is pointing to an actual location, and we showed that's not America but literal Egypt, well, at least at the base level, you would you would agree there was the slavery that was going to go back to this literal place called Egypt. You
3: talk, the first part when it says and the and and God shall send you back into Egypt
7: again. Well, yeah, but it's still parts after that that points to the literal Egypt. Okay, uh, well, see, I, I don't see it like that. All right. Well, all right. Cool. Well, let me just. All right. Let me let me run to that real quick. All Bear right. So, 28 68 It says, um, "Bear with let uh, me. Uh, with on, one no problem and I'll get the King James just because you know I know most most people do with that verse. Um, All right, so it says, "And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships." And we know, you know, for them to go back to a place again that they had to have been there before, right? Yes, sir. All right, so it says again with ships, and I know some 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 black and go to Exodus twenty and try to make Egypt house of bondage. But it was the literal land of Egypt that was called. Hassan. You know what? Excuse me, but I apologize. I think I misunderstood. You. So, right. so when the, all right, so and the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again. Would you agree that they had to have been in Egypt before for them to go back again?
3: I believe that's talking about the bondage Israel was in when they were in Egypt. Not talking about not talking about the location, but okay. the condition of the people while while at that location.
7: All right, so we'll read on to find out. It's actually talking about the location. So it says, "And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. By the way, whereof I spake, we know those past tense unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. Do you know what literal place the Lord said that to them not to go back again? Say that again. The place where he said unto them they should not see it again. Do you do you know where that place is that the Lord said? they were not to see again because that's what Deuteronomy 2068 is saying they were about to go back to if they broke that covenant. Well,
3: see, I believe that, and the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. By the way, wherever I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. So I'll, I'll read that to say where Moshe is telling them telling them this. They wouldn't see their homeland no more
7: when this time came. All right. So, All right, so there was two places where Moses told them before, prior to Deuteronomy 28 um, of the place that they were not to go back again, because the Lord is reaccounting something He told them already. Yeah, he, he told them that they wouldn't
3: go back to Egypt, literal Egypt, the location, right. the people. Yeah,
7: right. So you know, in Exodus 14:13, He said mm-hmm. the Egyptians won't see again, and then in Deuteronomy 17:16, He said, "Don't go back to literal Egypt." So you're not to go that way again. So the Lord is through Moses is reaccounting them or reminding them of the place he would send them again with ships um if they broke that covenant a place that he told them they were not to go back again which we both agree was the egyptians in egypt little egypt so well, i guess guessing well go ahead my bad yeah so so where so where in the in the text would there be any room there for making egypt not literal egypt
3: well be will we well, we know in Exodus 14, like you said, he said you will see them no more again. So you wouldn't be going back into the location of Egypt in which you were a slave. But the bondage that was to come in the future, that you was going to be in the same conditions you
7: were in Egypt. He didn't say you would never go back there. He said you are not to go back there. He was, to, he was commanding them not to go back that way. But he saying if you break this covenant, I will send you back the way I said you're not to go back to. But okay, this, you speaking to Exodus three and fourteen, Exodus fourteen thirteen, and then Deuteronomy thirteen. 17. Excuse, me, excuse. me. Yeah. So he told them the Egyptians they saw that day they are not to see again no more forever, and no, it, they,
3: that they won't see them no more again
7: forever. Uh, what what, what translation? Yeah, do you I, I,
3: again, uh I, I, and that's what it is. It's uh, Exodus fourteen.
7: He said you would ne- okay he said you would never when the King James you would never see them again forever let the Lord fight for you while you keep uh, silent and then in Deuteronomy 1716 he told him again by saying uh, moreover you shall not multiply horses for yourself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses since the Lord has said to you you shall never again return that way and so Moses is reaccounting to them a familiar saying that they heard already about literal Egypt, a way that they're not supposed to go, that they're not to go back again. The Lord's saying he's going to send them back that way on ships if they break the covenant.
3: So, so you so he was going to send the Israelites back into Egypt on ships from the land of Canaan going because the last time they got in there, they walked.
7: Well, that's because the Lord opened the waters. If you didn't open the waters, they would have needed a boat the first time.
3: Well, but we know they traveled back and forth between the land
7: of Canaan and the Egypt, and they didn't need boats
3: or ships.
7: Well, where's that in the text that they didn't use boats?
3: Well, what I, I'm talking about, when Joseph came into Egypt during the famine, and those Israelites came into Egypt, they walked. They didn't take a boat or a ship. That's what I'm referring to.
7: Uh, I mean, you have to show me something that's saying they didn't take a ship i mean you would be assuming but even if they did uh or didn't in this case even if you look at a map all the bodies of waters there and the, and the ma- and the major travel points from egypt to israel but i mean you would have to you would just have to say they didn't take a boat but it's, it didn't tell you they didn't take a boat but what i'm talking about in Deuteronomy 28 is they persp- specifically would take a boat because you're talking about a transference of hundreds if not thousands of people into captivity they don't walk the slaves they put them on they put them on boats and they, they bound them up and take them. Um, and they had major ports from, from Israel into Cairo and Egypt and all that stuff. And even Josephus right about it. You know, how many died via shipwreck. Um, how many was sold into Egypt. I mean, I mean, I mean I, I you, again,
3: because if you look at it, that they would put slaves on ships and bring them into Egypt. OK, what I'm saying is Egypt, they, you don't have to walk or you don't have to take a boat. They walked
7: last time. They're, well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. When when you keep saying they walked, it's only because the Lord opened the sea.
3: No, sir. So so let's let's take Joseph for example. When
7: well, I mean let's deal with Egypt, um, Israel because Exactly. Moses, that's that's let's what, deal with, hear Not me? Jacob or, or Joseph. Let's deal with the children of Israel who Moses is talking to. What I'm so
3: when jo, when jo, they his brother sold Joseph to the Arabs, and the Arabs they they walked or horseback or whatever, but they didn't take a boat.
7: You didn't have to. Could could have not. I mean, could have. Could have not. uh, My point is is that in 28, it's not saying they're going to walk. It said they're going to go back on ships. So the way they're going to go is through a major waterway that they need a boat to get across it. So that's what 28 is talking about. But in our reference, Josephus, and even uh, I don't know if you ever looked at the um, Aramaic Targums or anything like that regarding that verse, but it literally says, like uh, if you look at the Palestinian rendering of it, it says, In the word of the Lord, will bring you captive to Mizraim and ships through the Sea of suf which in, in English is the Red Sea. but the, By the way, you passed over, of which I said to you, No more shall you see it. And there you shall be sold to your enemies at the beginning for a dear price as artificiaries, and after it at a cheap price as servants and handmaids until you be worthless. And and be co-signed to unpriced labor, and there be none will take you. Who will take you? And this is what this is literally almost verbatim what uh, Josephus and many other writers wrote concerning what happened to the Jews when Rome sold them the Egypt. Well, I,
3: I don't have those books that you're referencing. So, I, you know, I have, and I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying from the problem. from the version that I'm using, i can get that to you. It's, it's talking about uh, Egypt or Mitzrayim, the condition that they would be. And I don't believe that they will go back to literal Egypt a second time. I believe that Israel the second time they will go into a
7: bondage of captivity. Like
3: they were, when they were in Egypt.
7: All right. And I'll just give one. And then I'll drop this verse for a number, But I'll give one more proof that they went back to literal Egypt. There are, uh, you know, writers on the walls and stuff like that or pyramids or whatever in Egypt that have these servants, that have fringes on. Have you ever seen them? Yes, sir. I. Right. My question is, when did Israel receive the law of fringes? Excuse me? When did Israel receive the law of fringes to put fringes on the ground?
3: Well, I would say it be dur- during the time of Jacob, Abraham, I, I, would, I would say beforehand. I wouldn't say just when they came out of, of Egypt because the law had
7: been there from the beginning. Well, they didn't have that law there. It was, it was given to them in numbers okay so this was this was afterwards so the fact that there are you know whether it be i forgot the word they use for it but um you know the little images or whatever cases of servants and even the camp i was in would show this as proof we were in egypt because these images that got the fringes on it and they received that law after they came out of egypt so the only way that would have worked is if they went back there as slaves then therefore have these artifacts. It wouldn't work the first time because they didn't have the law of fringes. They received that afterwards when the man broke the Sabbath day.
3: For sure. I, I mean, because <laughs> <of>, are <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not the or going back and forth. I'm just saying yes. that's of what I'm talking about, whether it was before or after. I'm talking about Deuteronomy 28, 68. I don't believe that it was talking about going back to the literal location of Egypt because we know the Most High destroyed Egypt and he scattered the Egyptians so the people that would be there that were, I, I don't know who that people would have been that would have been inhabiting the land of Egypt that would have enslaved Israel. What I believe it to be is that it's talking about a future prophecy of this people going into slavery the same way they did in Egypt
7: Alright, well, uh, one, well one last thing and I'll let somebody else talk because uh, usually I always try to deal with the main two verses. Um, would you agree that the yokes of iron was placed upon more than just you know? You hear Camp say and other of black leaders like this happened to blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans. Would would you agree that it happened to every nation that was on earth? Uh, you know, I, whether it was every or the
3: majority, I, I believe that that if you if you lost and and was taken captive. I believe you was either in chains or something to confine.
7: Okay, well, the reason why I ask that is because Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty is not about literal chains. It's not about literal chains around your neck. It's, it's it was you're, a metaphor you're,
3: you're, for your condition. That's right, it was a metaphor. You exactly, you would you would be oppressed whether you have literal chains on you or you're being oppressed. It amounts to the same thing.
7: I mean I know you say that but I mean text wise it's dealing with a metaphor it's not, it's not literal and we actually have it in the scriptures where it actually happened okay and it wasn't literal change okay, okay. and that's in, that's in Jeremiah 27 and Jeremiah 28 when Nebuchadnezzar came and the Lord told Jeremiah to make wooden bonds and yokes which we know the Lord always had prophets do physical things you know to themselves to represent something else that was about to go down so he, li- he literally had a wooden yoke around his neck and he sent it to the ruling nations and their prof- you know, kings or whatever cases on the earth and told him Nebuchadnezzar was coming and told him the Lord said, you know, to place their neck on his yoke and whatever nation don't do it. He would destroy them by pestilence, famine or whatever, drive them out of the land until he's destroyed them by the sword of Nebuchadnezzar. And then we you know Hananiah came up or Han- yeah, Hananiah came up, broke the, the literal yoke of his neck and, and, and gave a false prophecy. Or two of them. And then the Lord sent Jeremiah back to him in Jeremiah 28 and told him he was a false prophet. And then he said, uh, you have broken the yoke of wood, but thou shall make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, that I have placed a yoke of iron upon the necks of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, King Babylon, and they shall serve him. And so that, that was a metaphor. It wasn't literal chains. Oh. All right. right. I mean, it, it, because I think
3: that with your interactions with uh, other people that subscribe to uh, Israelites, um, that means you are having that conversation under that, as if I, I believe or, or with that, I, I wouldn't refute none of that. With you. you know what I'm saying? That's that, that's to say if the Most High is in the scripture. Okay. Only only thing that I'm saying is what I
7: believe Deuteronomy 28. And 68 to me okay so I mean okay so just go back to the first statement you made then if you would agree that these curses came upon multiple if not all the nations right I mean all nations gone through drought and famines and pestilence right
1: right
7: all that stuff that we see in the uh in, in Deuteronomy obviously all nations been in slavery one type or another yes, uh, sir, sir. you know hard bondage all that stuff sold in, as slaves dispersed from their lands all these different cannibalism all this type of stuff um that we see in Deuteronomy 28 you mentioned you said that it's some condition or a certain condition uh, that make you uh you know uh identify that you're an israelite so i guess if you would say the curses came from multiple people what about those curses is special that it points you out as being an israelite because, because Israel was, uh, in captivity. where does that say that at? there's no scripture that says that
3: well, but it, but it it does lend itself to that Israel would forget who they were. Now, we know that it was prophesied they would go into captivity. If you want to compartmentalize that, well, that's okay. But we do know that Israel would forget who they were. How do we
7: know that? That That's an assumption. Well, Isaiah 1 and 3 says that. Okay. Can you read that then? It doesn't say that. Okay. Now, I'll let somebody else talk. I don't
3: want to think you something. Well, I'm going to ask this one. I'm gonna have, now, before we go forward, Is this on? This is on every Thursday at 8, correct?
1: Hmm? Yes, it is. Yes. And it's supposed to be from uh, two
0: hours ago oh, to right now. Right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, we're on a two-hour two, two hour mark right now. Right.
3: So, Bear, because I'm going to have to get off of here soon, but is this something to where I have to – communicate with someone like, to log on or can
7: i just up. but you can i mean you I mean we can drop it right now so that you know we don't take up much more time but
3: well, no, uh, no, no i'm just because i just came aware of this this i saw the yeah. video on YouTube i and it was more like i i, I didn't know much about it, you know what i'm saying i right. thought uh, it was andrew's uh show he had i didn't know it was uh like a google hangout like this was that's good because more people can get on and, and different viewpoints. But I'm just asking going forward, would I be able to just click that link to join or would I have to go through something? New? Just go to yeah, Ben. Go
0: ahead. I was going to say, Ben, go ahead and go to apologeticslive.com. And on Thursday night, at whatever time it starts, which, you know, depending where you are, um, I would say it's what, five? 5 p.m. E, uh, western and that would be what 9 uh, 8 eastern, eastern, time. 8 yeah. eastern time. yeah yeah so go ahead and, and you just click on that link and it should be should bring you right into the hangout itself so yep perfect, perfect.
1: okay okay well the I will come back and uh, and do it in Jay man you guys can talk that stuff and I'll just listen and learn
7: would, Yeah, I'm down would, for that just let me know
1: well, hey, I do
3: appreciate you guys letting me on and sure. giving me time to speak, uh, whether you know difference of opinions, but we still all can agree to disagree. And um, I hope soon that I get a chance to uh, fellowship
0: and, and, and try to be edified with you uh, again. Ben, ben, we'll be praying for you, man. We, we hope that, uh, yeah, you come to 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 open your eyes and just kind of see what the truth is. Yeah, well, I, I, cleared,
3: I, I, I was who you guys was the majority of my life. I was. I
1: was. Well, our concern is your salvation because uh, no offense meant, but you have a, a false gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very costly mistake for you to make. And um, your your understanding of things is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's our goal is to bring you to Christ. Uh, not a particular doctrine, but to the person work of Christ and what you've done. Is, uh, accidentally, what the a lot of BHI do is put a barrier between Christ and the person uh, regarding salvation, and that's the concern. All right, for sure. Well, again, I hope
3: at a later time we can continue to have this discussion. There, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, you gentlemen
1: have to be every Thursday night. Go ahead. All right. All right now. All right. All right, you guys. So, Thanks again, guys. A little bit yeah. after the time, so I guess we might as well shut it down. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. And uh did four and a half hours or so, yeah, four hours yesterday. And then I did my radio show today, and then I'm doing this. So <laughs> my brain's pretty much fried. So uh you want me to call the way ambulance? <laughs> Come on, man. man uh, <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, who said that? I like that. It's pretty good. That was cool. I did. Cody said that. The wambulance, I like that. My, what yes. my brother would do is he'd look at me and go "Wha? wah That's what he would do. Yeah. Either that one or you want some cheese with that wine? Yeah, a little bit. <coughs> yeah, they need some of that. I think I'll go out and get some wine. But uh yeah, so my brain is a little fried. you know. So uh we're done. So But I think it's fried, you know. it's fried enough. Um Hey, hey, man, vocab, that was awesome. I just, uh, Phil just, uh, uh, te- his, his, yeah, you're here. Uh, Phil just texted me, so we're going to talk tomorrow about everything. So <laughs> he's been busy. Oh,
4: all oh, right, all right, 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 yeah, 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 Phil, Phil, Phil. Good, yeah. yeah, man. I'm looking forward to you coming down here and stuff, and uh, like it'd be good.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what our plan is. This is our tentative plan, is to sell the house here, Lord willing, if it sells, and uh, pack everything up, which means I have to do basically everything because my wife's just not capable. I'm going to have to get some friends to help out. And um, we'll put it into pods and have it shipped down there. And we're going to take one U-Haul, which I'll, I'll take this equipment here, my office, some books and some stuff like that. And uh, the basics, you know, and then we'll just uh, put in a U-Haul head on down, go to Fountain uh, Hills and stay there at his place when we're looking for a, a house. That's the plan. And we're going to need help unloading stuff sometime so sounds
4: like the beverly hillbillies
1: that's what it's going to be and it's about nah, you know what um
4: Same. i mean i got a couple friends when you come down i'll hit them up you know we can uh help make it happen
1: yeah yeah and uh, in fact when we pack up here i'm gonna have to have a lot of help so i got buds up here i'm just gonna put the word out and i'll probably get five or ten guys so we'll just uh you know, just, just loaded up in like four or five hours, you know, the whole house kind of a thing. And, uh, hey, so Matt, it was gonna take?
4: Matt, have you ever considered going to a ETS? You know the ETS annual meeting. Is that what's ETS? Evangelical Theological Society. You know, all the Christian eggheads get together, read papers. Nobody's
1: okay. ever invited me.
4: Well, you have to submit a paper usually. Usually, yeah, you have to submit a
1: paper. Submit a paper. Hey, look, uh, you need Jesus. This is how it works. Here's my paper. You know. <laughs>
4: um, i don't know i mean i just wondered if it was your kind of thing because i'm gonna i don't I'm, know i'm not reading the paper but i'm i'm going i like going they got great it? books on sale they it's, you can meet a lot of cool it's just a cool place to meet connections with fellow apologists too but uh
1: yeah i, I probably should get, to, get to something like that but it costs money and things like that i see you had a
4: new book out it's like a two. new well i got your book on uh i didn't wait
1: two yeah, uh, that this one, Atheistica, and another one um, called uh, Apologetics and. And uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's it's out there. Uh, you can go to uh, Amazon, just look it up. Apologetics and it's a series. Apologetics and atheism, apologetics and Mormonism, and Catholicism, and whatever. And it's and what I do, is I just literally sit here with this thing on, and I just talk like this. I just go, all right. So some people think that this thing is good, but it's really not. Let me tell you why it's not really good because. Here's the thing. I just talk like that and that's how it is. It's real casual. And so it's just meant for the average joe. And uh so one guy who read it he said it's so easy it flows so nicely. That's that's what I want to accomplish.
4: Well, that's so. good. Well, I mean, I do a, a radio show on on live stream too. Should get you on sometime.
1: Yeah, I try to correct your heresies. That's right.
4: You might have to. I don't uh I don't believe in um well, on
1: a... in what? <laughs>
4: You came to all these <laughs> Baptistic churches when you are in Arizona and told them they all need to baptize their babies.
1: No, I did not say that. I think somebody asked me about that, and I said, no, I, my position is. I didn't say they had to get baptized, babies. Man, kidding, uh, man, you know, for someone who likes to twist the truth a little bit to get me in trouble, you're doing a good job.
4: <laughs> you know, it makes it more entertaining.
1: <laughs> I can dig myself out of the hole you dig for me. <laughs> <laughs> well at least I'm consistent in my covenant theology Unlike some people Well I'm
4: not I'm progressive covenant <clears throat>
1: what, Do you have a rainbow shirt on too?
4: No this is a second century atheist
1: What is a second century atheist? I didn't see that's cool what is it? It means you're a Christian Yeah. <laughs> oh I get it Because you weren't believing in Caesaropapism? Yeah they used to
4: call the Christians atheists That's right Like they told Polycarp <clears throat> They said Polycarp will let you go, just say away with the atheists. And Polycarp pointed to the Romans and said, Okay, away with the atheists. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> stuff like okay, that. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's there were cannibals, accused of being cannibals also.
4: Yep, cannibals, yeah. incest. Don't forget about incest. Oh yeah. All kinds you know. of cause you know, uh, all kinds of messed up stuff. Unpatriotic.
1: Oh, unpatriotic. Yeah. Because. But you know what Caesaropapism is? Roman you talking about Roman Catholics? Caesaropapism is uh, what Paul had to deal with in Philippians, and that was the issue of emperor worship, Caesar oh, worship. Oh, Caesarop- yeah. the call to
4: the genius of Caesar.
1: Yeah, Caesaropapism yeah. is what the, the technical term is. I, like I
4: didn't, I didn't know that was a technical term, though. Okay, I'll have to yeah. file that.
1: Well, you should know that, Mr. Vocab.
4: Vocab it just means our rap, basically. That's all vocab <laughs>
1: really means. No, vocab, vocabulary, we know what it is. You're Mr. Hip and you know vocab. If you don't know what that means, we got some serious talking to do. And uh I, there's a book right up there, I could go get it called A Word Lover's Dictionary. I love it. And my favorite word in that book, it's just a bunch of wacko words that are all real words, is uh And that's the Greek god of feces. And, oh yeah. Uh, wow. And I always, always thought, you know, the Greek god of feces, you know, he goes to the god, um, you know, they're having a big party. And, uh, you know, they go, what do you do? I'm the god of thunder. What do you do? I'm the god of the waves. What do you do? I'm the god of feces. And they all start smirking at him. He goes, you better be careful. You, you have some problems later tonight. You know, I could yeah. just, you know, see some stuff.
4: Well, uh, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. He's got <laughs> got an awesome name, though. Sturculeus.
1: Sturculeus. That's cool. But you know why I called you the janitor earlier? You know, (laughs) I think I caught the implication. You're mopping the floor with that guy, so he didn't even know it.
4: Just trying to have a conversation.
1: He did a good job. He did a good job for an amateur.
4: He's he's (laughs) not um, he's not of the radical variety. So he's not a guy you would see out there on the corner with a sandwich board. He's not of that type at all.
0: Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Look a nice and,
1: guy.
4: And so guys like him are growing, you know, like these individual Hebrew Israelites. But of course, also the camps who, who are out there on the street corner, they're growing, too. So it's like the independence and the sort of denominations are both growing at the same time within this thing.
1: Well, when I get down, Lord willing, get down to Phoenix. One of the things we want to do with a new house, if we can, if this is what God will give us, we want to have a large room that we can convert into a study room plus a, a video. And so we can, you know, get people in and we can start doing some videos and some stuff and putting some stuff together.
6: That's what yep. I want to do. Do you want me to ask my question now, Matt? Sure, really fast. <clears throat> oh, um, well, it's sort of a two-parter. Um, I may have to come on. Well, basically, what would be your quick response to those who? Um, say with specifics and stuff like that, you can't really trust the new or uh, the English translations. If you get what I'm asking, I'd say they're wrong. Next question.
1: You said really fast.
6: Yeah, and um, what's the best way to like? I'm a layman with Greek, okay. so what would be the best. If way someone to...
1: if someone says that the Greek that the English translations are not good, I would just ask them, "How do you know?" Because they're making an assertion. Whenever someone makes an assertion in something like this, you can just ask for verification. Well, how do you know? And I I can say, and I'm very rusty in Greek, but I can say I've had four and a half years of biblical Greek or classical and biblical. And I can translate. I mean, I'm slow and I'm, I'm rusty, but I can say, yeah, these translations are accurate.
0: And uh, I would so, say uh, what's what's so hard about translating from the Greek to English? I mean, if, if that's the case, it can be tough it sometimes. Is, <clears> it, <throat> it can be tough, but maybe, I'm saying it's that it's pretty straightforward. It, does that person hold the same standard when it comes to translating Spanish to English? Or right. And then
1: there's dynamic
0: equivalence,
1: there's uh, word for word equivalence, there's um, you know, different ways of translating. Like in Spanish you think hambre means I, I'm hungry. But what it literally is is I I have hunger, and so we don't translate like that, you know, right. or interpret. Termin, Actually,
0: German is the same way too. Yeah,
1: right. And just so you guys know, translation is written to written, and interpretation is spoken to spoken.
4: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Bible itself seems to be okay with translations when it's quoting yeah. translations, and sometimes what appears to be the Septuagint. Yep. In the and New so Testament itself, you know. It, it, so the Bible is okay with translations. And if you can translate yep. Hebrew into Greek, why couldn't you translate Greek into English?
1: There you go. Exactly. And it's a very, Greek's a very precise language. And it's a very interesting things in it. You can do a lot with it. It's a very powerful language. It's more powerful than English is. Uh, very, very descriptive. Very, very powerful. Very precise. But um, uh, no language is a perfect translation in everything but you can certainly get the gist. And when I want to go look at the Greek sometimes for clarification of something, I will. And, and then I have to explain it to people. Like, for example, in John 3, 16, whosoever will believe, right? It does not say whosoever in the Greek there. It says, pasapestouon, all the believing one. That's what it says. And the word whosoever is the Greek word hos, but that's not there in the Greek. The word does occur elsewhere in scripture. So what do you do? When you go to that verse in John 3, 16, uh, for God's love of the world, he gave his only begotten son that all the believing one would never perish. Well, we don't talk like that in English. So what you do is you translate it whosoever. And so it, it gives you insights. You go, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. And then things like that become uh, important sometimes. A lot of times they don't. But there you go. <clears throat> all right. What was your other question? And then I'm going to close
6: it up. Um. Well, as a layman, of why well, I won't even know where to begin translating Greek. But how how would um what's the best way to look up a meaning of a specific word in Greek and match it up with a verse?
1: Well, use an interlinear. They have them online. You can also get free Bible programs that will have this. E sword. Uh, e, I think it's hyphen S O R D. Yeah. uh is free. Pretty good. Um, I use uh, Logos. And uh, so I can I have it set up. I could show you my camera here where I have, you know, my screen right there. I got Logos right there. And. Uh, and so I have all kinds of tools, all kinds of stuff, so I can look at the Greek. I can look at the Hebrew lexicons that are attached to it and the whole bit. And I sound really smart when it's just learning off what they've done. So. That's that's the way to do it. And if you want to learn Greek, you've got to go slowly. And that our Greek uh, just go online and you can look up a uh, basic tutorial for Greek. Yeah. And uh, you will discover Greeks never spoke Greek. A lot of people don't know this. Greeks never spoke Greek. They invented Greek in order to torture people in the future.: <laughs>
4: I'm not sure if that's a historical fact. Some oh, I think so. in the Bible. I, I guess think some people so. Use the blue letter Bible. I've, I've never really used it online. I use Logos, but if oh, you know, Strong's is outdated and simplistic, but if all you can afford is Strong's, it's a start, but you don't want to make the mistake that if you got Strong's Concordance, you truly understand right. the words. It's it's like, it's just an entry level, but it must be used with great care and caution. I'm just saying that because it's so common and easy to afford a Strong's Concordance. It's like, it's almost like a, a sort of a dumbed-down, outdated lexicon, but it's at least a start because really what you right. need is a lexicon to understand Greek right. words, which is like an ancient dictionary.
1: And it'll give you what's called a semantic domain, different usages, different styles, and the whole bit. And you'll find that is – want, I want to teach a class on how to do this. I think it's what they should do in seminary is you got to buy logos, teach you how to use it, give you two years of basic Greek. And you understand and you can go because I use it far more than I ever do my Greek uh, studies, which I had for years. I and mean, it helps me a lot. I mean, I can look at stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at some Greek right now. And I go, oh, I see those words. I can see the passive. I can see the, the um, participle form and the, the genitive in that. I can see those kind of things. I understand them. But, that, uh, some of the
4: seminaries that. are getting updated, Matt. So when I learned my intro level Greek, what you yeah. said is what they did. It was a lot more tools based. Good. Meaning you had to utilize logos and tools because they were saying oh. here's what you're going to be doing in real life, and so they right. taught it tools based. Like I don't know about all the seminaries, but I know it. And I, thought, I thought that was very helpful because then you learn how to use the tools, even if you don't remember all the vocab. You know, four right. years from now, you're probably going to forget a lot of the vocab you learned. Yep. But if you if you have the tools, you can kind of find. It might take a while, like you said, but you can figure out stuff, and people can't fool you as easily.
1: Right. And, you know, and I had, uh, you know, in college and seminary, four and a half years total of Greek. And I graduated in 1991. So, you know, if I go to take a Greek class, I'd be like, what was that again? I don't remember this. I don't remember that. But what I've, I retain out of it is uh, being able to pronounce it recognize certain things about it, understand the date of accusative, the genitive, the nominative, the vocative, understanding active, passive. Uh, you know, I understand these things. And I, and, oh, okay, it makes sense. And it gives me quite an advantage when I, I go to my tools and look through the tools. So that's where really the value has been. And the only way to really go know Greek is you've got to start teaching it. You have to just start teaching it and know it constantly. And we don't do that. We're not going not to know it. But I'll try Did you, you say?
6: It, vocab did you say blue letter bible was
4: a good one some people use that online because it's yeah. free and it's right there online i've never really used it much so i don't know i just know a lot of people seem to enjoy it and yeah, seem to good. be able to figure out some basics with it but i haven't personally so i i think it's helpful for a free intro level type tool
1: and also look at e just type in e yeah, that's a really good one and it's free, and it's pretty stinking good. Seriously, it's got a lot of tools, and it's free. Well, well, mostly, but it's not like Logos. Logos, I probably have three, $4,000 worth of stuff in Logos.
4: Logos is expensive.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. But it's the, by far the best. But for intro and whatever, hey, eSword, period. No sweat. Yep. You're, you'll be fine.
0: There's a bunch of them out there. There's okay. – uh, yeah, Bible.org. There's OpenBible.info. There's bibleark.com I like that one a lot. And uh, yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot of them out there. You just do a yeah, search. But the 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 guy that asked the question, what I'm one, been wondering is what what was the argument that prompted him to say that? Um, you know, oh. about Greek,
6: about or uh, well, basically, I'm arguing with with a modalist Let's just put it that way. We'll go uh, to
1: Karm, and I'll give you some... Karm is a lot of stuff to refute modalism and and some stuff. I can help you out with that. Cool. So, but you have to study Nestorianism when you study modalism. Okay, you know what that is? I do not... Jesus has two natures. That's the hypostatic union. In the one person, are two distinct natures. Modalism teaches that God... God is one person in three forms, yeah, so when there's an incarnation, what is incarnated? Well, then, when you come to Christ uh, and then Jesus is in the garden, he's praying who's he praying to? because if he is God, then he's only one person in the Godhead who's he praying to they'll say he's praying some say he's praying to himself, well, that doesn't make any sense. our Father heart in heaven that he's down on earth. well, then what they do is they separate sometimes the, the uh, natures of Jesus. They say this, the flesh was praying to the spirit. Now we have the error called Nestorianism. Nestorianism is a Christological error. So Christology, the study of Christ. So hypostatic union is orthodox. One Jesus is one person with two natures, the divine and the human. Mm-hmm. Nestorianism would say in the body of Christ, this is an oversimplified version of it, in the body of Christ, there's two persons. A human person and a divine person. That's called Nestorianism. Monophysitism would say that the human and divine natures are so are, are combined into a new third thing called the God-Man. It's not just God nature and just a human nature, but there's a new new third thing called the God-Man nature, which is all in, which is just a new form substance. And then there's an error called Eutychianism. And Eutychianism is the view that the, the two natures of Christ are so intermixed that they're indistinguishable. And that's, that's wrong. Um, did I say monophysitism already? Yeah. So we have Eutychianism, monophysitism, and Nestorianism, and these are the main Christological errors. And so if with, when you learn these, you'll learn what the heresies are, and particularly the nature of the, of the Godhead in modalism and the forms, which I have a way of refuting and uh, several ways. But at any rate, and then, uh, at least two, I think. Anyway, any rate, and then when you get into the issue of the Christological uh, issue on the two natures, who was Jesus praying to in Luke 22:42? Not my will, but your will be done. Your will, not my will. The flesh praying to the to this, the spirit. Well, that would mean then that he's praying to the spirit in heaven, to the divine nature in heaven. Well, then how is that a true incarnation? If it's not a true incarnation, how is the sacrifice of divine value?
6: You have an article on that. Um,
1: yeah it's on uh just go look at, at oneness on karma and, and I wrote it years ago, so I may or may not have that part in there, but this is what you need to study also. It may or may not be within that, but go to oneness on karma and also study uh this idiomatum and the hypothetic union Hypothetic union is that that one person has two natures. The communicatio idiomatum is that the two natures have attributes and that the attributes of both natures are ascribed to the single person. And that's an important doctrine for you to know anyway. It may or may not be relevant to the issue of oneness, but you should know this doctrine. Because if Jesus is God in flesh, he has two natures. Which nature died on the cross? Only the human nature. Well, then how is the sacrifice of divine value? The communicatio idiomatum answers the question. Because a single person had the attributes of both the humanity and divinity, the person of Jesus died on the cross, therefore the sacrifices of divine value. So here you can see the necessity of the incarnation and understanding the relationship between the two natures. And what oneness does is it separates them, gets into the Nestorian error. It necessitates Nestorianism, which then invalidates the, the uh, sufficiency of the cross. And when you have oneness, you have modalism, you have the problem of the true nature of the incarnation. So you have that, and how is how is uh, the Father going to send the Son? Then you go to Hebrews 13.20, the blood of the eternal covenant. How do you have an eternal covenant in one person? A covenant is between two or more parties. On a covenant that's eternal. They would have to say it's eternal in the future sense, but it doesn't seem to make sense because Jesus was sent by the Father, and I can get into some more stuff. but
6: Yeah, I've used many of those arguments, and okay. he's admitted that he can't argue from the English text and that's sort of why he is uh, trying to argue from the Greek. So, cause I, I, I showed him these verses do not make sense on your view.
1: Then is if he wants to go to the Greek, then please do, but it won't help him. It won't help him. Okay. And um, I can, if you go to the oneness thing, you could look up if I, I believe there's a thing in there. It's called the plurality study. And, the, and I you put it this way I'll tell you this so I think that the oneness people have changed their theology in the past uh, 35 40 years and the reason I say that is because I went when I used to live in Southern California I went to the Anaheim Convention Center just across the street from Disneyland they had a oneness Pentecostal uh, convention there and so I went there and um, at one point I had five UPC United Pentecostal Church their oneness people five UCP UPC pastors around around me as I'm talking to them, and I'm witnessing to them with this argument. And what they were, I have to say that what they before I give you the argument, what they were saying was that there was modalism, modal monarchianism, which is what oneness is. And some say Sabellian, some say some differences, but nevertheless, they'll say that the the uh, Father became the mode, or was in the mode of the Son, and then the Son became in the mode of the Holy Spirit. So the single person was in the form or the mode of the father. Then he became the form or the mode of the son. Then he became the form or the mode of the Holy Spirit. So when I was with them, I remember very clearly saying, is this your doctrine? And they said, yes. Five of these pastors said, yes, that's our doctrine of the father became the son who then became the Holy Spirit. It was a mode modalism. Now, they don't send it anymore. And maybe it was because of my conversation with them. I'm not trying to take great credit. But I remember running this by them. And I'll tell you what it was. And when I was done talking to them, they said, we can see why you're Trinitarian. They didn't have an answer. So this is what I presented to them. I said, look. We see that God the Father is seen, uh, excuse me, God is seen in the Old Testament. Genesis 17:1, 1, 1, Exodus 24, 9 through 11, number six, uh, Numbers 12, 6 through 8, uh, Exodus 6, 2 and 3. I said, I got to memorize. I said, these verses show that the Father was seen. For example, Exodus 6, 2 and 3. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Jehovah, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. So I said, who appeared? Was it the Father? They go, that's right, the Father appeared. Exodus 24, 9-11, I can go to other verses, Genesis 17, 1, 18-1. I can go to these verses where God is seen in the Old Testament. And I asked them, who is that? They said, it's the Father. I says, okay, the Father was seen in the Old Testament. Let's go to Jesus, John 6, 46. Not that any man has seen the Father, except the one who's from God, he has seen the Father. I said, well, they were seeing God Almighty in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, Jesus says it wasn't the Father. Who are they seeing who's God Almighty, who's not the Father? Two of them, I think, just walked away, and the other ones went. Uh, we can see why you're Trinitarian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Seriously, and then literally, as I was for the next few years, as I would talk to oneness people, I learned that they started changing. At least I, I observed it. Maybe I just didn't understand their whole position, but they started, in my opinion, changing their position. No, we don't teach that. It was the Father then became the Son, then became the Holy Spirit? We teach that it was just, they just, we just call them that. So that's where they can get around that argument of mine a little bit, but there's other ways to, to kind of tackle and plug some holes. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to say, Hey, look at my great argument, but I, I don't know if it affected them and then they spread the argument around and then their changes were made because I asked them, this is what you teach. Yes. It's what we teach. And now it's not what they teach. So I don't know, but it was a, it's a good argument and it, it, it really wreaks havoc with them. And then when you get to the issue of the atoning work of Christ, then how is our true incarnation? If the father, excuse me, if the, if the flesh is praying to the spirit in heaven, there's problems there. That's why you got to study hypostatic union, Nestorianism, and you should study all these Christological errors and have them memorized because you'll need those when you get to the issue of oneness. All right. Cool. Thank you. And then one last word. All of God's knowledge is natural. All.
6: <laughs> okay, we're we'll to have to discuss that some other time.
1: That's some other time. All right, guys, I'm going to shut
0: it down, okay? Phew.
6: Okay. God All bless right, you vocab.
1: Guys. We'll talk,
0: vocab. Vocab, thank you so much for coming in, man. Appreciate All right. it. All right, man. You're you the man.
1: The
4: atomic. All right. Atomic
0: apologetics, also just John Wilkinson.
4: All right. <laughs> You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Be blessed.
1: All right, you too. Be blessed. God bless. Okay, we're out.